Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Without including this song. I certainly wouldn't do a show here without including it. It's very special to me. Dog up and die. The dog 
just not old and died. And after 20 years, he still breathed. He said, I dance now at every chance in honky-tonks. For my tricks and tips, but most of the time I spend behind these, these county bars. You see, son, I drinks a bit. Then he shook his head. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Signal of Doom, episode 291. I'm Dave, I'm here with the main man, Richard. Rich, how are you going? Uh, uh, I'm at the end of a very, very long... Oh dear. Long week. I haven't had a day off this week. Uh, Oh, you didn't have yesterday off? You didn't have Thursday off? Why? Tomorrow tomorrow will be day nine in a row. Jesus. I would be burnt to a crisp. Wow. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. Wow. If someone goes postal in uh, Westfields, my bet's on old Rich. Um, nine in a row. So what's the... I don't understand. Like, Firstly, why? And do you get paid more for doing that many days without a break? Does it load into your pay? Yeah, I get, over, I get overtime. Okay. Well, that's something I prefer, else. I prefer free time, but I mean, you know. Yeah, because you normally get two days a week off, don't you? But just not Saturday, Sunday. It's like Thursday and some other day, isn't it? Is right? I mean, normally, although as I said, lately I've only been having um, Thursdays off. I seem to be right. working almost every week. Why are you working so much? Is it? Do you want this level of, like, it seems like a lot of work hours you're putting in here. Is it just because no, Christmas time? I do it because, I mean, I'm always happy to get money. But sure. it's just because Cash. there's no one to work on Wednesdays. Like Really? You know. Really? Staffing is a, what kind of operation are they running, man? What kind of operation no, are they just, running? Man, it's not just being Lear. It's every, it's every place in Australia. The I minute. brought Telstra, this up to you. Telstra, you can't even go in there without making an appointment beforehand to go see them because they have no staff. Really? I, I don't understand. Is it just because everyone's employed? 
Is that there's a very low unemployment? I don't rate. think it's everyone's employed. I think everyone is um, happy to take government money after COVID. Oh, I see. <laughs> like I see. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know, dude. I, I, I you know, I'm, I, yeah. But I hear like staffing. I, but if we go back to the tapes, Richard, and get your apology ready, I mentioned to you probably two months ago that staffing is a real issue at the moment in Australia, and you denied it. And here we are, two months later, and. It's come back to bite you, man, and you're working no, nine no, days in a row. No, 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 no. <laughs> David, you're the one with the bad brain. Yeah. Well, if you remember, we had a discussion over where you said there wasn't enough jobs, and I said I there's say? plenty of jobs, there's not enough people. No, I, that's what I meant. Uh, no, I, I meant that as well. No, that's sorry. Uh, if, if that's the case, I was misunderstood. I mean that staffing, getting staff is an issue for many people, and I hear that a lot. And, in fact, we're currently hiring at our, at our place of someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, there's plenty of jobs going. It's just that there's no one bloody yes. wanting to work. You know, when government's willing to give you free money, you know. So what? People are on – man, I'm so out of it. Like, I'm such a fucking office clone. So what? People are at home. Just Are they still getting money for fucking COVID? Really? Is that what's, is that what's happening? How come they're getting free yeah, money and we have to work? It's not fair. Uh, I, well, one, you, I, I think you can claim that your work is like cut your shifts or I see. Any more work right, for you, yeah, and then yeah. you just got to pretend that you're looking for other work. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's always been that uh, unfortunate yeah, segment. It got even worse now. It seems COVID like made it even worse. Well, because well, everyone's saying that, and and to be fair, we're experiencing too. Everyone's like, it's really hard to find people, especially good people. And I'm like, okay, but like, sure, there's young people out there that are looking to break into the market. Should, isn't there always young people who are always keen to get a foot in the door? You know, I would have. Yes, thought. but man, are they so unreliable these days? But yeah, well, generalising, but yes, uh, that's that's the danger. No, I'm not generalising. Um, <laughs> in this year, we've gone through probably. Eight casuals really? this year alone who we give them a job and then all of a sudden as soon as they get the job and this is like within the first month they're like oh i can't work this day oh i'm going away for this oh i've got this oh no i can't no oh can you come in on this day? oh no i can't i've already <laughs> made plans and i'm like what the fuck's happened to casual staff when you were casual yeah. you wanted to pick up as many shifts as possible yeah because you didn't know when you would get more shifts you know what i mean like if there was an opportunity yeah. for you to work an extra few days you took it because the next week you might not get that you might be back to your one shift or two shifts a week. But right. now these days, it's all like, oh, I can't, oh, I've got to take this time off. Oh, I'm going away for this weekend. And it's like, yeah. you literally were hired to work weekends. Probably- Why are you making plans every <laughs> fucking weekend? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you'd know. Like, see, I'm I'm, I'm siloed, man. I, I live a different life. But you're at the coalface down there in retail. You'd know. Like, that's the thing. I mean, you, you deal with these people day in, day out, and, like, it would be a nightmare having to, um, you know, shouldn't get on too much of a tangent on the show, but, like, a nightmare if you're trying to manage staff and they're like, I, I can't come in this day or that day, this day or that day. And I'm fairly flexible, but if that happens too much, it's like, well, what are you doing? You know, do you want this job? <laughs> it doesn't yeah, sound well, that's like what I it. Say, like, casuals today just don't really seem interested in – they're only interested in doing the bare minimum, it seems sure. like. You know, if God. if they get one shift a week, they're like, oh, I'm happy with that. And you're like, really? One shift, a, but one shift's a, a day, isn't it? That's Listen, it. I got one kid, we got one kid there who works one shift a week. He does <laughs> one shift. And every time we say to him, you can work, mm, I can't, mm, no, I can't. I got the other stuff. I got to, got, you know, schoolwork. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, 
this is where you learn to manage your life for god's sakes you know, right. this is where you learn to juggle yeah 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 wow hey. wow life don't get any easier <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Riches is the old campaigner. At the end of a nine-day fucking work week, I would be too. Burned out to a crisp, man. Fuck. How's the caffeine intake, Rich, during the nine days? I imagine it escalates <laughs> after you eat about six, seven. I only have about two cups of coffee. Um, really? Work. One in the morning and one in the afternoon. I have to, I have way too many. I, 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 I've got to be honest. If, if ca- I, I know caffeine's a drug, but if it was like a really bad drug, I'd be just a bigger junkie because I just drink it all the time. I swear to God, I do. Yeah, I, I have no control. Yeah, but the difference is, is I. It actually takes me two hours to drink a cup of coffee. Like I'm really? usually by the end of it, I'm drinking cold coffee because two I don't hours. get to just sit and. Yeah, well, I don't get to sit and drink the coffee. You at a desk, sure. so when you're at a desk, you tend to probably finish the coffee quicker, and then you're like, "Oh, I finished the coffee. I feel like another coffee." Sure. I take two hours to drink the coffee. That, um, you know, because uh, you, I, I don't. Oh, because you're on your feet working, right? I see what you're saying. Yeah, I've got to go to the customers. I've got to go do shit. I can't just uh, sit there and, <laughs> and drink. A your cup job of sounds hard. Your job sounds so much harder than what I do. Like, I mean, I have to work hard, but like, I, I honestly, personally. No, no favoritism here. I, I think your job is a lot harder, frankly. I'd hate to do your job. Having to stand up. I couldn't stand up, firstly. I couldn't stand up for that long with my bad back and hip. And then having to, you know, like, trying to sell people all this stuff all the time. And then, you know, which would be fun for a while. I'm kind of like Larry David. I think I'd be good at it. But would I? You know, I think I could sell people TVs. But I just think it. I don't know it. And I, I, I could see myself getting bored and then... then like having to put it all in the well, system. And blah, well, here's blah. the thing. I think a lot of people, like yourself, I think, yes, I think you could probably talk to someone. Yeah. I think you, you can easily just stand there and have a conversation and be very like, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can talk someone into buying something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because yeah. you're, you're good with having a chat and you can approach sure. people and strike a conversation doesn't necessarily mean that makes you a good um, salesperson. So, sure. yeah, there's a difference between being a salesperson and just being – talkative uh, a friendly people person sort of thing. yeah 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 no i appreciate that man i i i i mean i've been in the um the shops and i don't get hit on by salesmen that much because i'm cheap you know what i mean i i, I don't i'm not looking like i let michelle do the big ticket items and she loves to talk to the salesman and grind them down on price and blah 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 like it's such a like i just don't have the patience you know what i mean i'm just like oh my god i'm trying to start tuning out but i always i feel for them like in a way because i'm like this is a hard job you know, like you're working on the commission. You know, I guess it all varies from store to store how much the commission's important. Like, it is a challenge. You, I mean, in fairness, you've done it for a long time, Rich. So I imagine by this point, you're. Well, you know, I, I, the joke I always make is that the worst part about retail is the customer. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but I imagine there's a lot Which of back end stuff too. Them, I imagine there's a lot of back end bullshit, like all the stuff with that you don't see. Like someone's going to move the stock around, put stuff in, like screw around. Like there's a oh, lot. Oh, that's, that's the easy stuff. Man. Is it? If okay. you didn't get well, the, the 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 thing that makes it difficult is the customers. Yeah, because you're trying to get work done, and then they come and go, "I want help. I want to buy something." And I'm like, "Yeah, great. You want to buy something, but also like, oh, <laughs> I want to stack the shelf." <laughs> Wowie. Well. They're the adventures it's of catch rich. It's a catch twenty-two. It's a catch twenty-two, man. The adventures of rich, man. He's there. He's he's there deep in Hornsby, Westfield. I don't know if we've revealed the location before, but you can find him. You'll come across. A, he's at the end of a nine-day shift. Is is there a day in sight a, ahead where you're going to get a day off? Like I've got the Sunday off. Thanks. Sunday. Hopefully. Okay, a day of rest at least, much like Jesus. I think goes wrong. 
Okay, cool. Um, well, I picked up um, uh, what's it called, God of War Ragnarok, and I've just installed it on my PS Five now. Now, I believe you were saying you're getting a PS Five, Rich. Was it, you said this to me the other day? Yes, uh, I'll be getting a PS Five on the thirtieth of November. Excellent. So, well, okay, that's almost not be so, play God of War Ragnarok. So, what? It won't be. Why not? No, I'm sure about that game. No. Jesus. I've never played a God of War game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I read, I before I made the purchase, I I Googled, because I, I keep getting all these conflicting answers, and I typed in, is God of War Ragnarok open world game? And I, and the response that Google gave me was, it, it, quoting some guy, you know, who, whoever makes it, I don't even know who makes it, is it Sony, whoever makes God of War, he said, it's an open game, not open world whatever that means. And I was like, well... It's yeah, open game just means that um, <laughs> you, can, you can move around. Like, okay, do you remember... Okay, you've played Uncharted, right? Yes, love it. it. Yeah, Uncharted is what they call an open game where it's levels technically, but there's like secrets and right. secret passages where, you know, stuff where you can find... Like Tomb Raider or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what they mean by it's an open okay. game, meaning that okay. you can go off and explore a little bit on the the this, the area that you on or the stage that you on, and maybe gotcha. find a hidden yeah or whatever. But it's not an open world where you can literally go from one end of the map to the other. I hear. But it's not. It's it's not like that where you open up a massive map and go. Oh, I want to go here now. I yeah, like Skyrim here. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? I I'm look. I know nothing about it. I've never played one of these games. Um, I meant to play the previous one. Um, I've actually got it on PlayStation, like a, a one of the PlayStation Plus games, but I've n- I literally never played one. So I, it's gotten such glowing reviews that I thought, well, fuck it, why not? You know, um, I'll, I'll pick it up. And so I've picked it up. I've got next week off. I'm going to give it a go and, and see what it's like, you know, and hopefully I enjoy it. Like the only thing I'm worried about is that I'm a little bit Viking doubt because um, they played so much Valhalla, and Valhalla had that Ragnarok level. Um, you know, there was a whole Ragnarok story in Valhalla, um, Assassin's Creed, and, like, I played that a lot, and I'm worried I've got a bit of Viking Norse mythology fatigue. That's my one concern. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's possible. It's not... It's... Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's... it's uh, I mean, it's dealing with Ragnarok, but, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a Viking game. Okay. All right, cool. Well, uh, as I said, I know nothing about it. Anyway, I'm going to check it out, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm also still playing Ghost of Tsushima, and um, and I've really been enjoying that. So I'll probably mix and match those two up, you, you know, sort of like, um, you know, to give myself a bit of flavour, because I like to have a bit of flavour going. I get a bit bored if it's just one thing. Now, we had a discussion last show where you accused me, and it was an accusation, Richard, that I only play one game that I basically just play Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed, like, clone games. Um, and I was like, what about right. what about Skyrim? What about Oblivion? Which, to me, are massively different from Assassin's Creed. And you're like, no, they're all the no, same. No, they're not. Well, I think they are. And also, can I remind you that in the early days of Assassin's Creed, it wasn't, like, open world as much. Remember? Like no, it, it's it's always it's it maybe it was a smaller open world, and as the um the, the technology has has advanced, they can make the world bigger and bigger. But it was always you riding from one town to another town, and yeah. it was open. Getting you didn't involved. just like teleport there and go like, oh, chapter two. Now you're in this or, place, or, or going on boats, like, or going on boats in Black Flag. Remember? Yeah, 
So, okay. Look, the thing is, it, it, modern Dave, Dave in the last, yeah. I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 years, <laughs> and you've pretty much become a a, um, an open world <laughs> what drug addict. <laughs> oh, but hold on. Excuse me. I just remembered, wow, back in the 2000s, playing a lot of Age of Empires, playing a lot of SimCity, oh. a lot of Sims. Thanks, Dave. I did say in the yeah. last 15 years, not the last 20 years. Okay, but... You just said it was 20 yeah. years ago. Well, what about... Oh, well, um, let's. we should bring Stuart back from the dead, and uh, he'll reference a few years ago when I was obsessed with Rome Total War 2, and I wouldn't stop talking about it. I was getting banned from talking about it. Dave, yeah. Dave that's like a little fad that you have um, <laughs> for a little while before you, before you get sucked into your next open-world game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't deny it. Uh, the 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 other thing as well with um my open world games is sometimes like unless I'm really focused, laser focused, I find them hard to finish. So there's a lot of open worlds where I've just kind of like done a lot of side missions in the first couple of acts, and it's like, I'm not, how does it end? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I think you have quite a few unfinished open world games. Yeah, well, I, I've been better recently because I've I, over the last couple of years I've focused in more. Um, but like right now, Ghost of Tsushima, Cyberpunk, both unfinished, and I have put big dents in each of them, so I will finish them. But like, you know, that's yeah, the but thing. That, that's that's why I like to get a game done. Um, like if if a new game comes out, I will. I mean, I'll wait for God and sale, and then I'll buy it. But I won't touch it until. I mean, I've got quite a backlog of yeah of games because I just uh, I don't see the point in starting another game because I know I will probably never ever get right. No, I know, I know, I know what you mean, and it is hard to pull a game. I I do do it and have done it, like pull games off the shelf. Like I've never finished Witcher three, and I've put a big dent in that game, and I've never quite finished. It's still installed on my Xbox. And um and I mean to finish it. The same with Red Dead Redemption Two. That's a game actually that I I want to finish. And I could probably finish Red Dead Redemption Two if I if I did two solid days of gameplay, I'd probably finish it easily. I, I'm quite a long way in it. Um, probably even less. And it's just I enjoy it as well. I enjoy that game. I don't know why I haven't finished it. I found the story a bit slow, but I fuck I love roaming in that world, man. Like I'm a, I'm such a fucking roamer in Red Dead Redemption Two. You know I am the ultimate roamer. I don't even really know what the story is about, like, honestly. Like, it's all this stuff about, like, this guy's moving around, the camp, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm only in it for the gunfights, and, and I love hunting, man. I, I get out there. And yeah, well, I mean, that's it's kind of why I always found it weird that you didn't really get into Elden Ring that much, because, I like, Elden it. Ring, um, it, it's just open world. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, there is a main story, but... Yeah. You can just run around and fucking. Oh, it's a good know, game. Do that's another I game I haven't finished. So that's a good fucking. I can tell you why I got out of Elden Ring because it was so fucking hard. I needed a break. Um, but it's a good game. I, I will, I will, I will fight anyone who says it's not a good game. That's an excellent game, Elden Ring. Eld, it's a challenging game too. For it's definitely a lot, a lot harder than my normal gaming. You know what I mean? Because I. That's, you know. that's what I say. Like, I mean, I know, I know we've had this discussion before, and I know people always go, oh, well, you don't have to do it. And it's like, yeah, but mm. there's a difference between the, the. It all comes down to game design. Mm. So I like games like Elden Ring. I like games like uh, Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild, where sure. it's just an open world game. You mm. know what I mean? Like, when you open the map, it's not full of markers. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and I hate those stuff, and and you know what I mean. And I don't have to go up a fucking tower or a, you know, a, a something and unlock the whole region of the map. And then every time I open the map, it's just filled with icons. <laughs> I and, love that. Though. You know what that I mean? That makes my life no, a lot easier. No, but that's my point. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, but some people might like that because they feel like it's it's going. Oh my god, look at all the content. Yeah. But one, it's a lot of repetitive content. Um, sure. It's, sure. it's a lot of filler. But I like a game where I just open up the map and it's a map. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, like Elden Ring. Go, oh, Elden... I'll just go this way. Elden yeah, Ring like, is it... pretty like much like that. Yeah, Breath of the Wild is exactly the same. Breath of the Wild basically just starts and it says, go. Yeah. Like, whatever. Do what you want. I've like... watched um, Dion's kid play um, Breath of the Wild and I was very impressed by what I saw. I was just watching her play and I was like, this is actually a pretty damn good looking game. You know? Like... But that's my point. Like, that's my type of, like, if, if 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 people ask me why don't I play a lot of open world games, it's okay because there's not that many open world games like that where it's sure. just you start the game and it just says, go, do Skyrim. whatever. You, Skyrim. You know. Skyrim. Yeah, yeah, no, Skyrim, Obliv Oblivion was even yeah. more like that. Like, yeah. Oblivion, once you got out of that, uh, out of the dungeon, you it yeah. just kind of like, like what am I doing? go wherever you want kind of thing and all that. So, but there isn't that many. My point is all the Ubisoft ones, it's all like, we want to like we want to like push you somewhere. Do you know what I mean? We want to like <laughs> well, you've got show you where to go. You've got your missions like and stuff, and you can get. No, any... don't like it. Yeah, I... and the fact and the fact that they make the, the same game five times in a year is just terrible. Well, anyway, now I thought of one of my all-time favorite games. We get we dial it back to the eighties. It was probably Christmas eighty-eight, um, and I got on the Commodore sixty-four LA Crackdown. This is one of my all-time favorite games. You're playing like a, uh, I guess like a DEA agent, and you're and technically you're in the van, and you're you're conducting an investigation in LA into like drugs, and you're like bugging places, and you're doing all this stuff. It was such a complicated game for its time, and I fucking loved this game, man. And I never finished it because I could I got stuck, and. And and it still will keep me up at night because you know when you hit a wall in a game and I just couldn't get past it, and I missed some vital piece of evidence and you know I was kind of trapped in this loop. But I I'm going to go on YouTube and they've got the whole game there, like in like thirty minutes, how to solve it all. And I'm going to watch the whole mm -hmm. thing, man. And I'm going to like I reckon my life will change. Probably this program I'm living in will you know dissolve. You know, and 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 I'll see the truth behind the behind the lies. You know what I'm saying? Because it probably all stems from that moment where I couldn't crack that case. And believe you me, I spent time on it, man. But I know it could be cracked because one of my mates borrowed the game off me years later, and he cracked it. And he goes, "Yeah, you just missed a clue along the way. Just one little clue." Oh, of course, Dave missed the clue. Yeah, I was so annoyed as well because, but but like I was so frustrated. And I was try I tried so hard as well, man. Like this is well before the internet. You know, it wasn't as easy to get you know spoilers, kind of thing. And I and man, I was like, I was up late at night, like, and you know, the fucking Commodore sixty four was like overheating. I was getting frustrated. Rich, can you imagine it? Um. You know, and I and I and I just wanted to arrest people, and so I'd arrest them, and they'd get off, and you know, blow the investigation. I was, I was trying to shake them down. <laughs> I couldn't couldn't get them out of my detective work, so I was trying to rough them up a little bit, Rich. You know. <laughs> oh well, I mean, they made a new game for you. It's called La Noir. I've played that. That's a great game. That's a great. And again, if you want to go to the guy who got more investigations wrong than anyone, it was me. I 
I'd be in that in that interview, and like I was, I was constantly like off the mark. I was accusing people. I was trying, you know. I think you could do a bit of rough stuff in there, like throw a few punches and slaps and stuff. And like, I was my guy was just he was a loose cannon, man. I'm not, you know. I, I finished that game. I I enjoyed that game a lot. I know there's talk of a sequel. <laughs> You finished that game with all the wrong people in prison. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, there was rarely like I constantly that you get the feedback, and my feedback was always like, "Well, we blew that one, you know, like we got the wrong guy. I'm not sure we got the right guy." And I was always like, "Oh well, gave him my best shot, guys." Yeah, well, as long as I get promoted, yeah, I, don't I was care. like, "Look, you know, we got someone. Like whether it's the right guy, or the wrong guy, someone's in prison, you know." And I'm hunting for clues, and and one thing I learned that. Um, game and it reminded me a lot of Dragnet, the uh, t- the TV and radio show. It had that feel because it was set back, I think, in the fifties, wasn't it, or forties? Um, it was. It was. A, that was. A, that was an Australian game, actually. An Australian um, game developer made that game. Did you realize for Rockstar? Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I believe Rockstar. I mean, as a company that they kind of bought. In the end, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it yeah. went under, like, I think it was Team Bondi or something. Yeah, well, I think it was under. called, like, wasn't it called, yeah, yeah, uh, Team Bondi, which they then brought into the company. I think there was, for a short time, it was called Rockstar Australia, and then they just kind of dissolved it. Right, yeah. Yeah, because that game, although a good game, was plagued by lots of allegations of, oh, what do they call it, when, they, when they're working them too hard and stuff, there's a grind or something, is that what it's called? There's, you know, to get a yeah, game. but ready. also the problem, there's a weird problem where there's also, there seems to be a lot of, like, um, I feel like game developers are like the Sith, where <laughs> they they want to work together, but they also want to sabotage each other. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like Rockstar obviously certainly don't want them to make a better game than they did. Right. You know, so they probably don't help, and they probably you know um, make it a bit difficult. Same with uh, Bethesda did with uh, um, Obsidian, yeah. where you know they 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 basically. I had Obsidian to make uh, Fallout New, Va- um, New Vegas. Right. And then basically, you know, but just made it really hard for them. Right. Um, and so that the game would be rated less. I, thought, I think that I mean? was or, like one of the best games, the Fallout popular ones. Yeah, it turned out. But my point is that's not what Bethesda wanted. Bethesda oh. didn't want a company like Obsidian to make a better Fallout than they did. Right, okay. Yeah, you know well, what I mean? Because then people sense. be like, oh, fuck it, Bethesda makes the shitty fallout. And <laughs> so they, what they did was they tried to put up sort of like hurdles. Yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha. I'm not saying they want to sabotage it to not make the game, but they certainly want to sabotage it in the fact that it's it's a good game, but not as good as their game. I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it doesn't hurt the franchise, but it, it's not like revered. But funnily enough, Fallout New Vegas is a lot of people's favourite in the modern yeah, era. Correct. Yeah, Um I've never played it actually. Um, yeah, now uh, we've got some big news. Chuck Dixon, big friend of the show, is going to be coming on next week, and he is promoting First Kill graphic novel, Rambo's First Tour of Duty, the story by Sylvester Stallone and Chuck Dixon. Uh, you can, you can, I'll put it in the show links. Uh, it's on Indiegogo. You can back it now. Um, it's currently back to the tune of about 158k. Uh, yeah, it's on Indiegogo. Um, it's the story of... I'll, I'll read it out, actually. There's got to be more of a description than I'm giving it. Okay, John Rambo's first tour of duty in Vietnam. Before he was a myth, he was a man, a happy-go-lucky high school football star from Arizona who got into a scrape with the law. 
Boot camp sounded better than jail, so he traded in his football cleats for army boots. Excelling in every aspect of soldiering, he arrives in Vietnam with his new group of friends just hoping for a little action. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's full on, man. Like there's awesome artwork here, like of, of what's going on. So yeah, Chuck Dixon and, um, and so it's sliced alone, uh, you know, teaming up for, uh, a Rambo, um, in Vietnam graphic novel. I'm, I'm like, hell yes. This is the storyline I've been waiting for, for a long time. Rich, you excited? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it should be very good, regardless with Chuck Dixon involved. And I mean, well, exactly. uh, I'm sure um, uh, Sly is going to have some far more input in it than, uh, let's say, Keanu did for Berserker. I'm sure he will. I'm sure. I, I'm very confident that, like, Sly Stallone is. But you sometimes forget how smart Sly is, though. Do you know what I mean? You, 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 you sometimes forget that he, yeah. you know, he actually wrote and, like, you know, produced a lot of, like, um, Hell the yeah. Rambo and Rocky movies and uh, Copland, I think, was one that he wrote and yeah, probably. directed. Expendables? Well you, know, you, you, Expendables. you just sometimes forget that... He's a smart guy. That he's actually quite a, quite a smart guy. Yeah, he's so, a clever guy, you know, man. I think the two, the... Of them, yeah. Yeah, the two of them together, I think, um, yeah, could make something... It's a fucking mean team, man. I'm loving it. It's like fucking 18. These two guys put together... Chuck Dixon, man, rolling in with uh, the comic legend meets uh, Sylvester Sloan, and they're friends. Like uh, I've Chuck spoken before, like, like they've been friends for a long time. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and I think Sly's got the perfect partner in, in terms of comics. Now Chuck will be on next week to do. Uh, we're going to talk about it and get in depth, and, and we, mm. you know it's going to be a lot of fun. It probably won't be one of our longer interviews. But much like the Mike Barron thing I did uh, a week or two ago, but I really want to get down down in the fucking jungles and numb with with Chuck, and we know Chuck loves his uh, war comics and stuff. Like he he really really you know like he he loves those kind of comics and stuff like that. I think I, I actually think he would like to do a lot more of that sort of stuff. Um, just that you know, as we know, over the last sort of since like the eighties, like you know, it's mostly been superheroes that have been the dominant US comic thing you know for most of the time and i think war comics are a little bit of a harder sell than they were back in the you know 50s 60s 70s um so anyway we'll have chuck on and we're looking forward to that and that should be a hell of a lot of fun uh now we have some spider-man news richard uh mm. are you ready for the for the breakdown of news that i'm about to give you i'm gonna blow your mind richard um, okay. Tom Holland, firstly, reportedly closes the deal to continue as MCU Spider-Man. So that's the first piece of the news. They've signed up Tom Holland for more. The, the cash is cleared, Rich. Okay? So all those mm-hmm. people out there who are worried, they're going to lose Tom Holland. Like, remember there were those whiny little babies? Um, oh, well, you know, Tom Holland's only doing so many movies. Well, they've just signed him up again. That's what happens. Um, now, here's the big news. Sony and Marvel announce a slate of live-action Spider-Man spin-off shows. After years of rumours, Sony has announced a partnership with Amazon Prime Video and MGM Plus to bring a slate of live-action series based around the Spider-Man comics from Marvel. The multiple series will centre around the Sony Pictures universe of Spider-Man characters, which includes over 900 characters. Sony's new deal will begin with Silk Spider Society, revolving around a Korean-American woman named Cindy Moon who gets bitten by the same spider as Peter Parker. Her adventure follows her as she escapes imprisonment and searches for her family, all while learning how to handle her new abilities as she becomes the hero known as Silk. I really like Silk, and I was reading it at the start, 
uh, and I quite enjoy it. Now, so what do you think, Rich? So this is just the first of all, it's going to be, they're going to churn out a lot of Spider-Man content. Uh, and I'm all for it, man. I'm I'm lapping it up. Where are you? Um, I'm happy for you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Couldn't give a shit, but I'm, happy, but I'm well, happy for you. did you have to add the second part, Rich? You know? <laughs> you asked me. You asked me for my feelings. I'm just being honest. <laughs> well, you're going to have to do some of it for the show. So you, you may as well start getting ready. Get your pencil and paper out, Rich, and start writing down scores because you're going to be watching Silk, my friend. You're going to be watching I'll just Silk. Make up, I'll just make up a low score, and I'm sure yeah, you're going to be You're going to be watching Silk. Silk, all your favourite Silk, Spider Gwen, Mars Morales, whoever the else this they've got. Fucking, yeah. I I promise you it will be on the TV. <laughs> I'm not going to promise that I'm going to give it my full attention. Could you, could you get your girlfriend to watch it and just hand you the cliff notes? You, know, you could sort of outsource your watching. <laughs> um, I might. I, I think I respect it too much to, to do that. Silk, I enjoy Silk. Now I want to say this, and I'm going to put this out there for listeners. I believe they retconned Silk to be captured by Ezekiel uh, and put in that, like, sort of like a, I don't even know what the word is, not a dungeon, but sort of like in confinement, in like a laboratory or something for like 18 years or whatever. So I, I think that's what happened with Silk. Can you explain to me how she got bitten by the same spider? Yes. I, I remember the issue. So obviously it wasn't back in like 1963 or whenever. Um, Whenever they introduced Silk, which is probably around 2010, roughly, somewhere around there, 2010, 2011, something like that, um, they retconned it so that Cindy Moon was in the group with Peter, yeah, and the spider bit Peter, but it may have already bitten her first or after, I can't remember, but the same spider bit her. Uh, something or other happened. I don't remember what happened, but I want to say Ezekiel, if you recall Ezekiel, the Spider-Man villain, um, he, I, I want to say he had something to do with it. I, I, I've got a feeling he had something to do with it and he kind of captured her or imprisoned her or something. I'm going to look it up now because well, my memory is not great, but she was definitely put in like a containment in like a laboratory or something where they sort of kept her. And so... And she eventually escaped and met Peter and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Created by Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos. Um, 13 years. Okay. Uh, she's accidentally exposed to large amounts of radiation. Uh, as a result, the young teen... Oh, they're going on about Peter Parker. We know that. Near moments after biting Parker, the spider bites another young student named Cindy Moon. Soon after, Sydney's abilities, including organic webbing, unlike Peter, manifest, but she's unable to control them. Sometime later, Ezekiel approaches the Moon family to offer his help and guide Sydney, controlling her newfound abilities. After six years trained to use her powers, Sydney is locked up inside a facility by Ezekiel to protect her and the other spiders from Morlan and his family called the Inheritors. That's right. So Morlan was the bad guy. That's right. Ezekiel was kind of like the helper. Um... And yes, that that's what happened. And he, he kind of put them in confinement so that Morland didn't find them. If you remember, Morland was going after Spider-Man massively in that, I want to say, um, uh, Straczynski's run, I believe it was. Anyway, so that's in essence what it is. And then she eventually emerges from that, which is the start of the Silk Solo series and blah, blah, blah. So she's not a bad character, man. Like, what have you got against Silk? Well, you know, why are you... Why are you, you know, why are you talking... 
talking silk down, man. Like, what's going on, Rich? Oh, it just sounds like an utterly useless character. Why? Why? Because she's a spin-off. Yeah. There's so many spider spin-offs. It's just another one fucking added to the list. It's so boring. Well, there's it's so nine, cliched. There's 900, man. They've said 900 characters. Mm, apparently. <laughs> I mean, get ready. Yeah, for- you're def- <laughs> they're definitely not scraping the bottom of the barrel of those 900, I'm sure. <laughs> all the different Green Goblins, you know, like all the many versions of Green Goblin and the fucking three Hobgoblins. Oh, I, I, I'm not reading, like, obviously a lot of Spider-Man, but I believe there's now a Gold Goblin or something. Golden Goblin? I, I'm not reading that, but I have heard something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm out. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, there's like 72 goblins. There's 900 spider people. It feels like it's always um, Harry as well. It feels it doesn't always feel like Harry Osborn. Well, it's either Harry or, 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 yeah, or Norman. It's like it's one <laughs> yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly, yes. If it's not Norman, it's Harry. Uh, yeah, it, it never. the reveal never really feels like that surprising. You're like, oh, yeah, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be Harry? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, anyways. oh, he's back from the dead. Oh no, now his dad's back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, now Harry's back from the dead again. Oh wait, no, now Norman's back from the dead again. It's like, oh Jesus Christ. So Avi Avrad, who was the Spider-Man producer um, on all the Spider-Man movies, uh, blasts the whole Spider-Share deal in a new book, uh, Sean, Sean O'Connell's book with great power. Arad describes the agreement between Marvel and Sony as the worst deal, placing the bulk of the blame on both producer Amy Pascal and Michael Leighton, the former CEO of Sony Entertainment. They did it for the money. Terrible, Arad said. Like giving away your kids for adoption just because you're not sure what to do with them. He was very critical. Um, you know, And he's still a producer on all the movies because Sony, I'm, I'm sure he is. In every Spider-Man thing, you'll, you will see his name come up. Um, but he was obviously against that deal. But I think um, at the end of the day, they I, I mean, I really think that they saw the numbers on Amazing Spider-Man 2, which weren't terrible, but they felt they could probably double, triple those numbers. And, you know, what did, what did I mean, let's have a look. What did, what did, I, um, think it was, I think it was smart by Sony. It was done by Marvel. Why was it done by Marvel? Well, because... Um, Sony, all Sony had was basically Spider-Man, and sure. they were clearly not happy with the Spider-Man movies. I mean, um, you know, the third Spider-Man Raimi movie was not well uh, regarded as not a good movie, and yeah. the Amazing Spider-Man movies never really got going yeah. with with, uh, with Garfield, you know what I mean? Like, and they weren't terrible, but they never really, like, sure. set the world on fire, mm. and now you've got all this Marvel stuff. Um you know, just what light number storm. Now, of course, Sony wants to attach themselves to that, mm. ride that wave. But, you know, if Marvel, Disney, Marvel ever wanted to get Spider Man back, I think they were stupid to. Yeah, I hear you. To, to, to let them in and, and go, yeah, of course, we'll give you a place at the table and you keep Spider Man from us. I'm like, Phew. and looking at these dumb. numbers, Spider Man No Way Home it took $1.9 billion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Amazing Spider Man 2. I'm not even sure it cracked 500 million. I think it took about 450 to 550, somewhere in that range. Yeah, that's what I said. I think Sony was smart. Yeah. But I think Marvel was really dumb. Uh, uh, basically, it's like letting, what's that expression? It's like letting the, the, the fox in with the hens or something like that. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you've just allowed them to now make money off putting their Spider Man in your universe. Okay. Amazing Spider Man 2 took 708 million worldwide. So it took more than I expected. Um, but yeah, it took a lot, all, and a huge portion of that was international. It took 506 million internationally. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, one point nine billion, and and yeah, but they, they but they wanted to break that billion. Sony's yeah. goal was to get a billion. Yeah, I never thought they were going to do it with those two movies. I enjoyed those movies, but as you said, I thought they felt compromised, and they felt I don't know. They just, there was just something off about those two movies. That like, I enjoyed them, but neither of them, as you say, really got going. Going, you know, they didn't hit it yeah, out of the well, park. Not like like like. Look, Sp- uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man One or Two, like yeah. they were well loved. Everyone talked about them. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they become they became part of the you know the cultural zeitgeist of great superhero movies. But Amazing Spider-Man never never quite achieved that. Um, Definitely, so. they were a bit pedestrian. Um, mm. Yeah, and apparently the financial, um, for at least what I've read, and 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 this could be wrong. I have read that um, Sony take home most of the money uh, on those on on the movies they share. The the bulk of that goes to Sony. So, you know, but who knows if that's true? You know, but that's, that's... Uh, it's possible. I mean, because uh, I mean, Disney is very much a Disney loves selling toys. Mm, yes, they love selling merchandise. Yeah. So yeah. they could have maybe had a better deal merchandise wise, um, and Sony take more of the profit. Um, Possibly, I don't know. No, I mean, you 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 could you could be very very right there, and that is something that is definitely should never be forgotten. That the merchandising, it actually dwarfs um, the you know the the uh, well, box that's office. A, um, that's how George Lucas made so much money. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's true. That is true. Yes. Uh, anyway, well, but like I am looking for look the danger of them milking the Spider Verse on TV is definitely there, and I kind of question how they're going to do it without any of the other Marvel characters if you're going to do TV shows. you I guess there is a deep... There is there is a lot of Spider-Man, Spider-Verse characters, like villains as well. There is a lot of them that you could, you know, squeeze, but no Avengers, no X-Men, like no one can turn up. No Punisher, no Daredevil, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 as I said to you, like, I know that Look, there's that expression that everyone's the hero of their own story, right? Mm. But it doesn't mean that every fucking character needs their own movie. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the villains are, and, and side characters are villains and side characters for a reason. You know what I mean? Mm. Yes, now maybe there might be a villain or two that might be so popular or something that they can get their own movie or get their own spin-off. But you know what I mean? It's not like... Like with the Batman, yes, a lot of his villains are popular, but they're not all going to get their own bloody spin-off comic or movie that's just stupid um but again sony's got no choice because they only have the spider-man license so exactly they've got to um they've got to maximize what they've got um it'll be interesting uh to see what happens look i think silk could work i look and i i guess i guess the thing like they can really rely on is the spider-verse stuff like they do have that see i i'd be honest with you i think i think them i think they're doing the wrong thing um Personally, I think they should be trying to focus on characters that are not Spider-Man or Spider-Man adjacent. Um, but they don't because have otherwise them. you're gonna. No, my point is okay. Let's say you do a Spider-Man movie, then you got a Miles Morales movie, then you got a Silk movie, then you got a, a Spider-Gwen movie, and then you got a this, and you got a well, and, the, and then TV again, you've shows. got nine hundred re- Spider. Re- remember yeah, but my TV point shows. is, my, my point is, you're gonna have nine hundred Spider characters running yes. around, yes. like all with a Spider char- uh, power yeah. and related to Spider-Man. What I'm saying is. If you've only got the Spider-Man stuff, 
try and comb through it and find characters that you could potentially spin something out of mm. that is not another spider character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so characters that were they purchased when they bought I mean, Morbius the is actually a pretty good one, except yeah. that they fucked it up. You know, and then again, they did it, you know, Venom again. The, Venom's the, a good the, one. The, yeah, I mean, look, Venom's got the look of him, but at least his powers are different. You know, yeah. it's a completely different beast but i'm just saying i would i would comb through the, oh. the 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 spider-man stuff that you have the rights to and just see like what can be turned what's a character that's malleable enough that we could um we oh. could make something out of it yeah it's gonna be interesting um yeah look uh, look a lot of this is gonna be the execution as well like you could do a spider-man noir um tv show like do a do a noir like in black and you know white Kind of thing that'd be pretty cool, you know. You could get a season or two out of that, I would think. There's something Spider Zombie, Spider Zombies. There's another one for you that's for free, Marvel. Um, let's come up with those two ones off the top of my head. Pretty happy with myself, yeah, yeah. And come up with a third spider related character. <laughs> <laughs> well, spectacular, um, Spider Ham. There you go. Again, well done, Dave. Third Spider Man related <laughs> character. Well done. Well, he's a ham, he's a pig, Peter Porker. One of the great characters. Um, also already been used, so, you know, not even original from me. Um, but anyway, look, it's not my problem to fucking come up with all the ideas. Like, I'm excited for it. Um, maybe they need to... I mean, but how generous are Marvel going to be? Why would Marvel license out other characters to fill in this Sony universe? You know, like, at a certain point... I mean, Marvel certainly haven't even fucking... I, one thing I really question with Sony is why Tom Holland hasn't been in the uh, the Venom movie, in the Morbius movie. I, I think they missed a trick there, you know? And I and I can't believe that that's all just due to Marvel. Sony owned the rights to that, you know what I mean? Like, they should be pushing to get Tom Holland in some of that stuff as well to give it some sort of quote-unquote legitimacy, you know? Um, with the audience, I think the audience. There's an audience that will turn up just because of that. You know that that baked in hardcore audience and drove 1.9 billion on No Way Home. Yeah, I mean personally, I think Tom Holland's an overrated actor, but I do think he's smart in the fact that he's he's definitely trying not to just get stuck in all Spider-Man related shit. Like that's why he's been you know doing the Uncharted and yeah. Um, uh, what was that other movie it was in recently? Very unimpressive in Uncharted, though, can I say? I, I just... Yeah, yeah. And my point is, 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 is he's trying to, obviously, he's, he's trying to do a whole bunch of stuff that is not just being sure. the Spider-Man guy. Which is fine. I mean? So I do, I do think he's smart for that because he mm. definitely don't want to get pigeonholed as just the Spider-Man guy. I mean, but ironically, I think he is pigeonholed, you know? Like, his other stuff has it. Like, he, he I'm sorry... I don't remember anything about the Uncharted movie other than I thought he wasn't very good as, as Nathan Drake, you know? Well, I mean, that's why he was trying to do it because he was trying to do a more confident, yeah, you know, suave uh, hero, you know. Um, what did you think of the Indiana movie? Jones, what, what did you think of the movie? It's a terrible movie. Yeah, I didn't like it's, it much either. It's woeful. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't. I mean, I, I forget how I reviewed it, but... I mean, I, I can barely remember it, and I definitely watched it. I, I, I thought it was okay in bits, but I just felt like he was miscast, and I don't know. It was it's, – it's that old thing where it did feel like the video game in terms of the set pieces, 
but it was just missing something. And, like, I prefer the Tomb Raider movies uh, to Uncharted. You know, the original Tomb Raiders with Angelina Jolie, I preferred those to Uncharted, you know? Uh, the first one was all right. The second one is pretty terrible. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, they're not great movies either, but I, I felt Uncharted to me felt very corporate. It was just like, here's a few set pieces uh, from the games, and they there were, but it was just, it was very cookie cutter, if you know what I mean. Like, it just, there was nothing. Well, I don't you know. know what the funny thing is? This is what I find so hilarious, right? Is all they had to do was make the Uncharted movie, like, from the game, like just yeah. copy the same fucking story. Because here's the thing: yeah. the the people who played the games are going to go watch it anyway because yeah. they game. It's like, oh, I love Uncharted. I'm going to see it as a movie now instead of a game. And all the fucking non-gamers, yeah, are going to get to experience what all the gamers experience of why it's such a cool character with a cool story mm. and whatnot. But instead, whenever they do a video game, they're like, well, we're going to do a video game, so let's completely disregard the fucking you know story mm. that made it popular and everyone loves, and just create our own bullshit. Halo, like, the Halo TV show was famous for that. Yeah, but my point is, okay, when you when you generally adapt a book, right? Mm. Yeah, there might be some tweaks and all that that you make to it, but you don't change the story. No, yeah. you don't. You don't take Lord of the Rings and go, okay, well, I'm going to make a Lord of the Rings, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to completely, I'm going to completely change the characters and the story, and yeah. it's not going to be about the ring anymore. I'm gonna, you know, you don't do that. So why yeah. do that with a video game? If you if you're adapting a video game, tell the story from the video game. I agree, and uh, funnily enough, they they it's not like they immerse themselves in the law or whatever law there is. They just tend to do their own thing. I agree. Like Halo could have been really good. You know what I mean? They had the money. Uh, and, it, you know, it. they definitely had money. But it looked good. But, you know. All you had to do was tell the Halo story. Yeah. All you had to do was the first season or whatever has to be them crashing on the Halo. Yeah. Right? And Master Chief running around with some survivors, mm. figuring out what the fuck this Halo is. All you had to do was retell. That's all you had to do was was fucking do the Halo story in a, in a TV show. Yeah. That's it. Well, I agree. Done. I know, man. Like Halo was definitely a missed opportunity. I'm, 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 I'm excited but nervous about Assassin's Creed, the TV series, because I, I think be there's. Nervous. Well, at the end of the day, <laughs> if it's if at the end of the day, if it really sucks, it really sucks. Like the movie sucked. You know what I mean? Like that that Assassin's Creed movie. It it you know what I was reminded of Rise of Skywalker. I'm watching it and I'm just not even caring. And I'm like Star Wars. At some point in my life would have been my all-time favourite franchise, you know, as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, if you'd said to me, like, 10-year-old Dave, there's a new Star Wars coming out on the cinema, I would have just, I would have rushed, ran down to the cinema. I'm, I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm going, this movie is just so unengaging, you know, and, and so, in a way, boring and just chaotic, and I'm just like, I don't care. Um, That's how I felt. What was I talking about? Whatever I was talking about before. The was the same feeling when I was watching that movie. I just, I was just, Assassin's Creed. I'm watching Assassin's Creed. It's one of my, not my favourite game franchise, but it's right up there. I'm watching that movie. I like Michael Fassbender as an actor, and I'm thinking, this movie is just crap. And, and, and I'm, I'm disengaged. And if I'm disengaged, and I'm a pretty baked-in Assassin's Creed fan, how is a casual going to be, you know? Someone who's just watching it for, you know, just tuning in now. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't in any way a good movie. So they can only do better than that, I think, Netflix. Well, 
you'd hope. It'd be hard People to can do always work. go further down. Like It'd be harder. <laughs> that movie was like a one or two out of ten. You know, hey, there's people love to say "hold my beer," okay? Like, let's, let's just, you know, hey, that's that's an expression. There's Gears of War. We mentioned it last week. That's one that's coming up. Um, oh, I will check that out. Um, is there much of a story though in Gears of War? Isn't it all just killing? It's a massive shooter, isn't it? No, there's a, there's a there is actually a story. Okay, all right. Well, maybe I'll do something with it. Um, now, I, I've watched the first two thirds of Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. Uh, it's very stylistic. Have you seen this movie, Rich? I've seen trailers for it, but no, I haven't seen it. Uh, okay, look, I, I would say to you, check it out, and we'll come back next week or the week after and talk about it, because it's not bad. It, it's a very stylish, stylistic movie, like more than anything. It's it's more flash than substance, but it it's not... It like one of those wacky action movies that I saw from the trailer. Uh, it's, it's more... Uh, it's a little less action than you'd expect, actually. It's it's um definitely a bit wacky. Uh, it's it's almost difficult to describe. I expected, I thought it was going to be hard hitting action inside a train. I thought it was going to kind of be like um, you remember like Crank or something, you know, like that was just all balls to the wall action for the entire time. Um, it's not like that. It's way more. It almost wants to be at times be a bit Tarantino esque, but and I say esque, and certainly not the quality. Uh, if you've seen Atomic Blonde, um, similar feel, like in the in the stylized feel of it, it's very stylized. Um, it's very kind of happy with its style. It, like it's, I'm not, I'm enjoying it actually, it, but it's not great. Michelle's mum gave it a very negative view. Hello to Marie, she listens to the show. She gave it a very negative review, which I was surprised because I've seen a lot of people say good things about it. Watching with Michelle, and both of us were quite enjoying it, um, but we needed to take a break. I think it was near the end of the night, and we're going to come back and finish it off um, this weekend. Uh, look, right now I'd probably give it a 6.5 out of 10 from what I've seen. It, and I think, Rich, it's probably worth a watch just to see what you think, you know? Um, but it's not. It's funny when you expect something to be one thing and it, then it's something completely different. Brad Pitt's... Oh, as, that's, that, that's the, how sometimes trailers can be misleading. Sure. Definitely, and intentionally misleading a lot of the time as well. You the know? trailer definitely made it seem action-packed, like balls to the walls, non-stop action. No, it's not. It's, I wouldn't say it's balls to the wall. There's actually it, like it's action, and like it's definitely flu- it's a very fluid. No, no, I'm movie, saying you know? the trailer yeah. made it look like it was balls to the walls, non-stop action. Yeah. Well, check it out and tell me what you think. Um, we get to it now. Legion of Superheroes trailer. I actually thought stupidly that this was a TV show when I was watching the trailer. I was like, "Oh, this looks like a pretty interesting TV show." Um, obviously, Adam the computer was pretty pumped. Uh, Connor mentioned the animation was poor. I felt the animation of the Superman on the face was some of the poorest animation I've seen since that. Remember that that Superman like Man of Tomorrow or something uh, movie, Rich. Same art. Terrible. Terrible. Um, other bits of the trailer looked better than that, but still, that's a very low bar. Why, Rich, in 2022, coming close to 2023, are we watching stuff that looks worse to me than the Superman animated series of the fucking 90s? Like... It's, it, it's cheap. But, like, don't these companies, they have a lot of money. <laughs> Why? Why is it so cut price animation? Like, is it just because no one? I mean, I get it. Not that many people are buying the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, but it's going on HBO Max. Like, 
you know, don't you want it looking somewhat polished? Like, really? Like, why is it no, so all the, all the No, all the companies just want McDonald's now. They want the, the, the cheapest uh, mass-produced thing that they can get out the door and, and can really? still make them money. Yeah, okay. So it's not quality. It's not quality, is it, Rich? I mean, I'd be embarrassed to show that to my kid and say this is the Legion. Or, like, if I have a nephew or a kid or something and I, and I hand them at some point, I go, look, this is some pretty good stuff. This is Superman the Animated Series. Like, I go, look, it's it's back in the 90s, but it's pretty damn good, you know. Whereas this animation, I'm kind of like to my kid, like, if they're a little kid, sure, not a problem. But if they're like a teenager, they'd, they'd be laughing at this, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, you know. yeah. I mean, I think anyone who's older who actually appreciates maybe animation or quality animation would just be like, mm, this is garbage. Dude, I'm going to make Why a comment right now that's going to blow you away. I take fucking Super Friends over this, you know? Seriously. I prefer Super Friends. <laughs> I prefer Super Friends. Like, at least that fucking stuff just reveled in its, you know, kind of crapness. Um, I don't know. I just... I, I, I just... I, I thought bits of the trailer looked interesting and I was kind of intrigued by what they're doing with this Legion stuff, but the uh, the animation looked poor. I, that's, that's all I can say. I certainly wouldn't be buying a Blu-ray of this. I'll watch it on HBO Max when it comes out because I'm a Legion fan. Shout out to Legion Outpost, um, part of the Signal Doom Network, and shout out to Adam the Computer, I know, who's holding the Legion flag high, but uh, in Denton, Ohio. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a fizzer for me, man, you know? For sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a rumor, Rich, and we all know rumors are usually true. Well, one of my <laughs> one of my spies, uh, one of my spies reported this, Rich. Um, Deadpool will reportedly traverse the multiverse to visit Fox movies like Fantastic Four and Deadpool Three. So this is the hot rumor, man. It's come direct from a spy. I can't give any names, no locations. It was the middle of the night, deep night, man, deep cover. Yeah, the, like an internet, Cladstone um, kind of meetup that gave me this information. What do you say to it, Rich? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd be interested if it's true. I'd be surprised if they got the actors to come back to actually, like, sure. Jessica be reminded Alba. of the Je- shit that they did. Jessica Alba in that suit. Oh, yeah. Please. Please let it be, Lord. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's easy to announce stuff like that or say, oh, this is you know this is going to be happening and this. But I'm like, okay, but you've got to get the actors to actually. Well, they wouldn't do it uh, unless unless you just get different actors to do it. But then, what would be the point? Michael Chiklis as thing, whoever that guy was who played um, Reed. Uh, again, wasn't it Johnny Storm? Was Johnny Storm was played movies. by Chris Evans? Johnny Storm was played by Chris yeah. Evans. Yeah. Yeah, but remember, those movies are lambasted as the as terrible fucking movies, so why would the actors want to come back to... I don't know, Rich. Maybe to, money to, talks. To be made fun of. Maybe money I just talks. Maybe money. They they, they put $10 million maybe in front of just talks, Maybe sometimes reputation can't be saved if you do something stupid like that. Dude, I think everyone everyone wants to get their, you know, snout in the trough at Marvel, man. Their snout in the trough at Marvel mm. Studios. You know, and... If 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 Jess, I mean Jessica Alba is still she's heavenly. I saw her the other day in something, and she's she's like heaven to watch. You know, if heaven could be a form, I would pick it to be Jessica Alba. She is gorgeous, man. I'll say that right now. That's a non-sexist comment, girls out there. This is just a factual assessment. You know, would you agree, Rich? If you say so. Oh come on. Well, you you what? You're on the fence. You're riding the fence on this one, Rich. 
I just don't find her as apparently <laughs> heavenly attractive as you do, so I don't really have a comment on it. <laughs> Rich is playing it close to the vest. He's not giving away any information. No, she's not an ugly. She's not an. Oh ugly no, girl, no I shit, mean. Rich. Oh no shit. But she's not ugly. No, no. Sorry, no the way that you're carried on is like she's the most beautiful woman on the planet, and I'm oh. like, mm, oh, I don't think so. To me, she's up there, man. Wow, we. I tell you, someone else who's aged very well. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's currently in nine one one. Michelle watches it every time she comes on. I go, gee, she's kept her looks. I say, Michelle says you say that every time. I, go, I just can't help it. I said, she's she's still a beautiful girl, you know. Like really, like honestly, like sometimes you have to acknowledge true beauty. That's all I'm saying, Rich. You know, bow down in the presence. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I was going to make a sexual comment. I won't. I'm a bigger man than that. You know. <laughs> I censored myself for the last possible second. Um, anyway, I, I won't sit here all night naming people who've kept their looks, but Jessica Alba, I mean, she's heavenly, and J- Jennifer Love Hewitt has certainly, still looks great, still looks fantastic. She's She's been pumping out kids, man. She looks great. She's on 911. Check it out. Check it out, people. It's not a bad show. It's not a great show, but it's not a bad show. <laughs> she's in a, uh, working the switchboard. Um, now, some big news, Rich. Are you ready for this? The Last Stand, X-Men The Last Stand star Kelsey Grammer, also known from Frasier and Cheers, is willing to reprise the role of Hank McCoy Beast in the MCU. He's, in fact, demanding it. Wow. Kelsey Grammer throwing his weight around. Um, He did appear in one of the Deadpool movies. I want to say Deadpool 2. There was a scene where he was in it, I believe. They they didn't they cut to a room with all the X Men in it, including him. He was also he, he was. <laughs> no, that wasn't him. Wasn't him? But that was, no, that was that was the that was the the current Beast actor. Okay, he he was in Wolverine: Days of Future Past at the end. Definitely, there is a scene where he's walking down the hall. Um, uh, I think yes, that may. I think that is forget. Accurate, yes. the, yeah, I was going to say you can forget about the word may because it definitely was him. So let's. From now on, we're doing facts. If it, <laughs> oh, Dave, you better not make that claim. <laughs> I was going to qualify that by saying what we think of facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be very careful with that, uh, that claim. <laughs> what Dave considers is probably a fact. <laughs> Well, uh, you just said earlier all rumors are true, so you know. <laughs> true. I, I look. What do you say to Kelsey Grammer's got to be getting up there? What's his age? He's got to be in his sixties by this point. Like, he's been going a long time. Yeah, he's got to be. I mean, how old is Beast? Like, I mean, is Beast old in the comics? Not really. He's in his thirties. No, he? but I mean, his age doesn't really matter because he's yeah, going to be covered in blue shit, so you wouldn't be able to even see his age. Really. Right. So you could, you surely you could. Okay. So Kelsey is sixty-seven. He still looks pretty good. Um, put the stuff on him. I mean, he wants it, man. I mean, God bless him. He wants hey, look, it. Look, I, bad, you know, when he did play Beast in good. the in that terrible third uh, X Men movie, Which you know, I enjoy that best- film. You know, I enjoy that film, Richard. Okay, I'm not here to discuss your faults, Dave. Um, he was probably the best thing uh, about that movie um, was seeing him as Beast because that was a bit of a fan casting for a long time. Right, was it? Was, yeah, well, again, yeah. you know, I mean, Beast Beast and Frasier, you know, people always like, oh, my God, you know, because yeah. when, especially when um, the X-Men 90, 
yes. 90s cartoon uh, came out and the beast was all very, you know, like Hemingway said, you know, yeah, yeah. and you know, and when you hear that sort of voice, I think a lot of people were just right. like, oh my God, Frazier would be the way Frazier talks. He yes. would be the perfect beast. Not a bad, yeah, okay. Well, I guess they cousin. So I'm forgetting because my memories, as we all know, like Swiss cheese. So he wasn't in the first two X Men movies, was he? He just turned up in the third. No, one. he came in the third one. Yeah. Why? Really? Why? Why was Beast not in the first two? How come? Isn't Beast like one of the fucking founders? No, no, no. You've got to ask. Um, you've got to ask Brian Singer. Brian Singer's on his own fucking trip. Yeah, a lot of cocaine, probably. Um. Anyway, whatever. I Kelsey Grammer's got. My you know vote. what? It was for it was money, cash. Think about it. Every single every single X Men they had in the first movie were just all the human looking ones. Mm. Mystique. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no one who like powered up or anything. You know what I mean? Like they didn't yeah. even have Iceman or yeah. Angel or yeah, anything true. like that. Like they saved all the money for basically Mystique. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, Magneto's powers because they were like, oh, you know, this is untested. We don't know what it's going to do. So, sure. you know, yeah, you're not yeah, getting a lot sense. of money. Well, they didn't know then just how much money these movies can make. Yeah, that's no, true. Uh, look, I'm down for it. Uh, Kelsey Grammer, um, you would think he's got a bit of pull in the industry still. The Frasier reboot's happening. He's still a name. People like him. I mean, sign him up. The only question I have is how much longer can he live? I mean, Kelsey Grammer's always been kind of borderline health issues you know i i mean, he's battled addiction i think he's i think he's been sober for a decade plus but doesn't he have a, a new show out at the moment or did he Mate, the fraser the fraser reboot man no 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 there was something else before that let's go to his wikipedia i love kelsey grammar i'm, I'm down for this renaissance of kelsey grammar uh blah 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 let's get a filmography there's a lot of stuff going on here okay so television you talk about television um, yeah, I think it was a streaming show or something, or, or maybe a television show or something. Doctor Death, he played Doctor Jeffrey Scadden for four episodes. I don't know. There's there's stuff here. The, the Wizards of Tales of Arcadia. I mean, he stayed busy. Um, not stuff I know. Some bit of voice work. Tales of Arcadia um, films. I mean, he's he did three movies in 2021: Troll Hunters, Charming the Hearts of Men. Father Christmas is back. I mean, he's 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 working, but it's not high visibility stuff. He's just working, man. You know? Maybe it was something that he was doing that wasn't picked up or something. I can't remember. But I yeah. remember just like a year or two ago, there was something he was supposed to be working on. Or he's a busy guy. I, I, um, I thought it got cancelled after one season, or maybe it didn't get picked up. I guess. Right. So well, at it's the hard end, to remember news from a while ago. At the end of the day, man, um, he's back, man. The Fraser reboot's happening. Um, you know, he's back in the news. He's talking about being beast. I'm talking about the Cheers reboot. I've been talking about that for several weeks now. I'm wondering if that's starting to pick up some heat. You know, my comments on that, Rich. Do you think that's starting a lot of fire up on the internet? Probably. Sure, Dave. No, I, I, I wouldn't I'm be surprised. 100%. No, no, no questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, when Signal fucking makes noise, people listen. We know CB Sabowski, that coward. He's probably cowering in his hotel room right now because he felt the heat from Signal a few weeks back, you know? He's probably starting to poke his little head out just to uh, signal off my case yet. No, we're still watching you, CB. Get back in your box, you know? Focus on making some good comics for once in your life. Or should I call you Akira Yoshida? Uh, your chosen name. Um, anyway, so <laughs> Kelsey Grammer, 
I'm for it. I, I'm look as far as I'm concerned. Fraser reboot, play beast, cheers reboot, and that should solve all his financial issues for the rest of his life. He's 67. Another 10 years work. He's going to leave everyone. You know, all his ex-wives, his current wife, his kids. Everyone's going to have money. You know what I mean? It's it solves all the problems. Now, um, Mike Flanagan, Richard, says adapting Stephen King's Dark Tower multiverse is his own personal Mount Everest. Interesting comment. Um, you may be asking yourself who Mike Flanagan is, Rich. Uh, that's definitely one of the questions I have. <laughs> He's got some Netflix show where kids are around a campfire or something. or I think it's like uh, kids with... Um, what do you call them? Like terminal diseases, and they're but they're 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 swapping like horror stories around, um, you know, like horror stories kind of in their dormitory at a hospital. I believe that is the plot of, or concept behind his most current show, uh, and you know his most popular show. They're called the Midnight Club, uh, I believe it's called, and um, so that's his big claim to fame at the moment. You know, he's trying to spin off out of the out of the. Um, yeah, the Midnight Club follows a group of t- eight terminally ill patients at Brightcliff Hospice. Uh, how do you say it? Hospice? Is that how you say it? Hospice? Hospice. Hospice, yeah. Who begin to gather together at midnight to share scary stories. So he, he kind of likes horror and stuff. Um, and he really he wants to adapt The Dark Tower, which was terribly done in that movie, which I went and saw. I remember you didn't want to come see it with me, and I went and saw it myself. Um, and it was poor, and you were right. Yeah, you couldn't you, you couldn't blame me afterwards. No, I, I couldn't. I was hoping to. I was really hoping that, that, like, I was right and everyone else in the world was wrong. Um, that was my hope. Turns out it was a long shot, um, and it was a poor movie, and you did save your money, you know, <laughs> on that occasion. I do like, save, I do like saving yeah, my money. you missed out. Like, I think I even offered to pay, and you were still like, no, don't worry about it. I'm not interested. I was like, and I said to Michelle, she's like, not a chance in hell. As I said, sometimes even free is too expensive. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Constantine 2 will be rated R, says the director. What do you think about this, Rich? This is the movie with um, the sequel with the Keanu Reeves, yeah? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. you. I enjoyed the first uh, one, like, for, for what it was. I, I liked it for what yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the first one 20 years ago. Um, well, why not, man? I mean, Keanu's still around. He's still a big name. Yeah, but again, uh, the the problem is, as as I've said, with these 20, 30 year later sequels, it's oh. like there's one good one for every ten failed ones. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's it, it it's not a good track record, so it's very hard to get um, excited or invested when you know that it's probably got a nine out of ten chance of being crap. I would say in this case, though, Constantine has become much more of a Name in the zeitgeist since then, the, all the comic book movies since then. Uh, you know? It's not about that because um, everyone probably thought Bill and Ted was a slam dunk for the third oh, come one. on, dude. That was a low-budget fucking, you know. But it doesn't matter. It's Keanu Reeves. Hi, it's, it's Bill and Ted that is like, you know, it, it is like a cult. But did, it, did anyone really think I'm Bill and saying, Ted 3 was going to make serious money? I'm not talking about money, Dave. I'm talking about quality. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't judge things by how much money they make. I judge things about how well they make. Like, okay, all right. Well, um, Bill and Ted Three was, I mean, frankly poor. I felt, you know, like you know, look, yeah. it was it was okay for the. If you're if you're a hardcore stoner Bill and Ted fan, it was okay. But for anyone else, yeah. it was pretty for, poor. It, for me, it just wasn't worth it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's one of those things where you almost wish they hadn't done it. You know? Yeah, it, yeah. It would have been better to actually not have done it than to have done it. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Is it the worst thing I've ever seen? No. Would I have preferred to not have seen it? Yes. Yeah, no. you know what it suffered from? It was very... You remember Member Berries from South Park? It was like that. Everything oh, was like a callback. Dude, everything. Nostalgia is money now, man. Like, mm. nostalgia is the new, the new crack cocaine. You know what I mean? It's sure. like everyone wants to be dealing in nostalgia these days. Every company wants... Once they're, you know... Yeah, but when I'm nostalgic... Just hardly want their fix of nostalgia, so... When I'm nostalgic, dude, for, like, the original Lord of the Rings movies or the original Bill and Ted's, I'd rather just watch them, you know? Like, I'd rather go back yeah. to the yeah. original. Like, because the original Bill and Ted's, they're fun. Like, we've all seen them, like, you know, many, many times. But, like, what I'm saying is if I was sitting there going, man, you know what I really feel like watching? Like, old-school Keanu. I I'd bust out Point Break you know, or um, or Bill and Ted or something like that. Like, there's a lot of old-school Keanu. Um, whereas Bill and Ted 3, uh, well, yeah, it was 3, it was, the joke was stale, you know? The joke was stale, and they felt way too old. Like, it, it wasn't a great script. It, it felt cheap. It felt like a Kevin Smith joint, you know what I mean? Like, you know those Kevin Smith, like, reboot movies and all that kind of stuff? It actually felt like that. It was better than that, but it was a similar kind of thing. So yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Look, I my hope is Constantine will be better because I think that they're going for a serious take. It'll be a proper studio movie. Yeah, but isn't JJ Abrams involved? Is he? Yeah, yeah, you could be right there. Actually, I think yeah, I've got a feeling you're right. As soon as he's as soon as I hear his name involved in anything, I just automatically just go, okay, I'm just really not interested. You know what I think when I hear JJ, I just I just can't help but think formula mediocre. Like it's not like it's even the worst thing of all time, but it's just there's nothing. I just just nothing remarkable about his stuff. I don't I don't understand how he is so revered because I'm like I I'm yet to see something that is amazing by JJ Abrams ever. When, when people say JJ, I don't hear JJ. I hear JK. Like joking, like yeah. joke, yeah, like a fucking joke of a <laughs> director writer. Uh, now let's have a look here. No, no, you're wrong, dude. So JJ yeah. was doing the Constantine show. That was oh, okay. that was scrapped in favour of Keanu Reeves Constantine too. So that oh, was okay. that was what happened. So let's have a look. Well, at, that, that's better at least. That is better. I so who's doing that. Constantine two? Let's have a look. Here. Constantine two, director is Francis Lawrence. Writer Steve Bissett. Jamie Delano, who did write some um, Constantine comics. Of Kiva Goldsman. I don't know these people, but anyway, so. It's not JJ. JJ was behind the show. You remember that fucking thing where he was going to do all those DC shows that never panned out? Um, in, typical, oh, yeah, yeah. in typical JJ style. I find JJ like a real lightweight in a weird way. I know he's everywhere. I know the guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, so he's just laughing at everything we say. But uh, unfortunately, like his legacy is that of a lightweight to me. You know, he's sort of... Maybe he spreads himself super thin as well. I think that could be part of his problem. You know... In his determination to fucking infest the universe with his multiple projects, some of which he's just, I'm sure, just the name put on it, you know, he spreads himself very, very thin. 
because he's so busy fucking making that money, Rich, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, you'll be happy to know this, Rich. You love your monster movies, don't you? You're all about Godzilla and King Kong and all that stuff, aren't you? The old, the old monster movies? I enjoy them. I'm more into the Universal monsters, but okay. I do enjoy a good... Uh, I don't mind a, a Godzilla or Kong. Uh, Are you happy to know the new one that's going to be coming out? Godzilla and Kong, and they're friends now. <laughs> well, technically, they did finish the last movie as them being friends. They so. did finish the last movie because Godzilla fucking stomped on Kong in that movie, didn't he? Poor old Kong. That was a tough fight for Kong, you know? Like, yeah, but again, it's it's. Re- I mean, to be fair, it was it's, it was always going to be a toughie or battle because Godzilla can fucking spew. Yeah, I know. Like mouth, mouth, laser radiation, fucking you know, <laughs> juice out of his mouth. They had to give Kong a special fucking magical axe, <laughs> <laughs> just so he could have, you know, starb thing to go toe to toe. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, he was outclassed. Uh, but but he put up a. But in fairness to Kong, he did put up a very brave fight. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Look, there's nothing wrong with uh, there's nothing wrong with giving it your best and failing. You know. Well, uh, yeah, you can't. You can't. As long win. as long as you gave it your best, as long as you left it all there on the table. Yeah, you, and you cannot win every fight. Like it's it, it's it's just not possible. But um, but anyway, so they're, they're friends now. So I guess someone out there will be happy. I I I've got to be honest. That last Godzilla Kong thing, I was losing interest real fast. I I um. Maybe, though, were their friends, uh, if they were fighting aliens or something, it could be cool, I guess. I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not as big a... It could be a massive, big free-for-all, like a tag team championship, you know, match where it's sure. two of them taking on, like, uh, eight other bloody uh, monsters, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I... I they can do some yeah. wombo combos together, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess they could, man. Um... Look, that's a spectacle. Like, you don't go to watch those True. movies for fucking no, no, no. believability or story or anything like that. You literally want to just see buildings fall down and, and you know... Um, well, there were some pretty trippy bits. There were some pretty trippy bits in Godzilla Kong, Godzilla versus Kong, whatever it was called. Like, there were some pretty trippy moments from memory, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, it was... Look, I, I didn't hate it. I, I'd probably give it a 6.5 out of 10. Um, Diablo 4 developer this is the quote he says players want open world and free choice but they also want to be told where to go uh so which i guess is kind of a dig at uh, elden ring which is extremely open world you know he basically he did describe you there so he's not wrong no no he i don't think he's far away so he says um blizzard has revealed more of its approach to open world design in the upcoming action rpg one of the concerns about putting open world in a big neon sign and flashing that sign is that people have that notion of the Breath of the Wild kind of, oh, it's completely organic, I can go anywhere and do anything and eventually I can figure it out for myself. That's not really our story. Our story allows for non-linearity, uh, lin- linearity, but there is a story. We wanted to have a beginning, middle and end. We wanted to start a certain place, we wanted to end at a certain place. Diablo 4 is more of a branching story, he said, and players can choose the order in which they play its major parts and play, and play them in a different order in a replay to get a sort of different sort of experience as a result. Naturally, there'll be plenty of opportunities to horse around with other things and you ignore the main quest if you want. Um, I don't know, man, like what that even means, like really, at the end of the day. I'm just, I'm, why can't it be open world? Like, why do we have to have all this structure? Why? No, no, I believe Diablo 4 is open world. But what he's saying is there's 
there's different again this all comes back to what we were talking about in earlier you are the type of open world player mm. that wants to open a map a map and be told go do this go over here and you can do this go here well, no, but you talk to the people, dude, like the guys, the traders, and they go, oh, do you want to do a mission to kill this guy, select this, and select that mission, and then you go and do that. That's what that's what it's all about. Yes, but my point is the map still tells you where the trader is, doesn't it? It tells you where the cities are. You open well, the map up. Dude, once you dude, the map, dude, they tell you because they go, it's here. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. You play open world games where they tell you where to go, what to do. <laughs> And he's saying that's what they're doing with this game. They have a story, just like <coughs> your Assassin's Creed or that is a story, but they still want to give you the the uh, the option to play it in a different order right. if you want to, you know what I mean? Or <coughs> next time you boot the game up and you, you have a go, maybe you go this way first or you go you do it in this order or something like this. Sure. But it's still it's op- it's 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 kind of linear open world, right? Which right. again is where it's open world, but you you want to funnel them towards the story. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you pepper it with all the stuff, but at the end of the day, you still want to be pushing them forward uh. with with the story. So, but that's um, a lot of games. Like, um, what's its name? Um, uh, Red Dead Redemption's like that too. Like, there's it, it's technically open world, but you can ride around. But like. Really, to get the story going, you have to follow the main story. Yeah, yeah, but the, 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 but that's my point, though. The and so with Elden Ring, mm. nothing happens. Like, yeah, you might fight a boss, you might maybe meet someone who you have some dialogue with, and maybe you get a bit of the story. But there's nothing always happening. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you play Assassin's Creed, or whatever, if you go somewhere, something will happen. Sure. There will be a quest. There will be someone. There will be something happening. There will be some event. Right. So all, all built around the map and all that sort of stuff so that you, no matter where you go in, th- there's something that will probably well, there's stop you to then send you go that way. No, but I'm just saying, like, it's it's an open world but with a structure of sure. here's the stuff, but you're doing the stuff to then work towards going here. Yes, yes, yes. So it's, you know, so it's still kind of stages. You know, because there's certain areas of the map where you can't get to, you know what I mean, where they'd be like, oh, no, you can't go here, or if you go here, you're going to die because you're not low. You know, that's why I say, like, it's open world, but they're still... Yes. They're still dating. They're still like, oh, but you can't go here yet, or you can't go do that. As I said, Zelda Breath of the Wild, you go any direction you want. You go... You can do any dungeon you want, because there's no... There's no like levels as much in the game. Mm. Yes, you get stronger and you get better, but you know it's all about skill. And a lot of the times, it comes down to your skill, not whether you've leveled up. Um, uh, oh, okay. Sort of Whereas so in I, Assassin's I, Creed, I, you've got to level up to really dominate. Yeah. So again, all he's just saying is that yes, there's going to be open world. Yes, you can ride from one end of the map to the other, and oh, you can be able to run around and you know. F- us around and all that but we've got a structure and we want you to follow mm. the story and the structure so that's all he's really saying which, yeah i yeah. think he, i think he makes a good point. most open worlds so yeah, yeah it is he said he hasn't said anything revolutionary in my opinion no i think he said sensibly i think his answer actually makes sense you know like it matches up with a lot of the open world formulas out there like elder ring and you're saying breath of the wild are kind of exceptions to the normal rule you know mm. uh anyway um i'll tell you one of the best games I've ever played on Commodore 64 was Pirates. Dude, this was such a good fucking game. 
you were a pirate in the Caribbean and you could select various, um, you know, back in the age of the Spanish, you know, conquistadors and all that stuff, and you were a pirate in the 1600s and you could go around the whole Caribbean, um, you know, pillaging, taking, you know, um, you know, taking other ships, uh, taking cities. It was the Spanish main because it was primarily Spanish uh, run. There was English colonies and Dutch colonies and stuff, but there was mostly Spanish. Uh, Jesus Christ, it was a lot of fun, Rich. You, you, you know, and you could sell the whole thing and you had a career and everything. And I used to play that game so much, man, uh, all the time. It was probably the start of my open world obsession because it was kind of open world. <laughs> you, were running, you, were, you, were, you were floating around in the ship. There was really no story other than advancing yourself, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, a lot of your open world games back in the day, again, they were just, they were open, but they were empty as well. Yeah. But that was, again, that was just a limitation of... Technology. Of, of, of yeah, of the hardware and, and all that sort of stuff. That's why, it's funny, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they were asking me why I don't like um, a lot of indie games, you know, these... Uh-huh pixel stuff and all that and i said because i think it's 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 stupidly lazy and cheap to right. emulate games from like the 80s yeah, yeah um yeah. because i in, in my opinion if it's 2020 mm. you should be you mm. technology wise should be making a cheap game that looks like a playstation 2 game mm-hmm. you know what i mean if you if you're like a small team or whatever i think this no because again a, a game that's pixel or you know um uh, 8-bit or whatever you want to call it. Like, that was limitations of the hardware. Yeah. But we're living in a world now where I just think that you emulating that just screams to me fucking lazy. Because that was a limitation. Like, we're living in an age where you can do more. Like, Mm. the technology allows you to do more. And all these companies, all these indie people are just pumping out the cheapest, lowest common denominator, like, um, garbage software. Yeah. That you know what I mean? That they can, yeah. and I'd have more respect for them if they just made it look like at least PlayStation Two. I mean, there's some really good-looking PlayStation Two games even today. You're telling me you can't emulate that? You're telling me you don't have the technology today to yeah. to to even emulate PlayStation Two graphics? Well, they could, I guess. Uh, they just, but I I find that, look, I'm I'm so sorry. Fucking strike me down, cool kids. But I've tried to play a couple of those games, and I'm just like, man, this sucks. Like when I when I remember I tried to play that last hunt thing or whatever it was, and I thought what? I was going to be hunting like humans and stuff out in the wilderness or something, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like it was just so boring that my brain just I, I just switched off, man. You know what I mean? I, I, I Dave just well, the, tuned the out. The thing that annoys me the most about those games, again, I'm not talking about the the indie games where they've actually done actual like graphics or 3D models and all this stuff. Sure. I'm talking about the ones that are like pixelated and. Yeah. And um, they and, suck basically. Uh, like the thing is, they look absolutely shit on a big screen TV. I bet that. Like is. everyone has a big screen TV now. The the fact that you make games that look horrendous on a big screen TV, and then you want thirty forty bucks for it, I just go. Oh, you're fucking kidding! They want that much cash for it? To me, that's oh, a... yeah. There's some indie, there's oh some indie God, games that really? are like thirty forty bucks. No thanks. Uh, for me, that's a that's a hard fucking pass, man. Like that's that's not even a um. That's not even a factor in my decisions. Well, I was laughing. You know, it's so funny. Um, so back in the day, you obviously you know Knights of the Old Republic, right? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic game. game. I laugh because I still have the PC version of that, and that was like on four or five discs, and it <laughs> took you hours. You know what I mean? It took you like three hours to yeah. install that game. You can now install that game in like 
two minutes on your mobile phone. Good. That really? really? No, but are you really telling me that you can't even emulate that kind of 3D modeling graphics in an indie that game? That was great, like, man. Like, that was fucking like, gold. That was gold, yeah. dude. That, that, that game is considered one of the all-time... I've heard people say that that's one of their... After, like, you know, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, that's, like, their favourite story in Star Wars. You know? Oh, that that is basically the... that That is the best Star Wars game ever. Yeah. That's Second not... would be the um um the the Kargoton games with the um uh with the Jedi Academy and the uh right is that that chick that? who's but... in who played Starbuck whatever her name is no 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 Kargoton oh. is uh, oh she's Bogotan isn't it yeah you impressed that no I managed relation. to no 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 relation are you impressed that I managed to just drop that name though Bogotan boom. Pretty it's sad that that's the first katana that came to your name. But I don't even really know what, what she does or anything. I just... No, well, as I said, it's not, it's not your fault. That's Disney's fault. <laughs> I don't even really understand what she was doing uh, at all. Was she yeah. a Mandalorian? No, the, the, the Kyle Katan games were called the Jedi Knight series. Right. There was three of them. Um, it's basically, you start off as a mercenary and basically become a Jedi uh, as the games go on. Now, I, I do want to mention this on... on uh, Amazon, they're doing big sales on um, like classic silver and golden age DC. Oh, and, excuse me, sorry. Um, I I I actually already had the things that I was looking at. I've already purchased previously, but um, it includes like the Justice League Silver Age, um, you know, trades that collect a huge chunk of that Silver Age stuff leading into the Bronze Age. Uh, and I see Hawkman feature on the front cover of one. I mean, that Silver Age stuff, I love that shit, man. I know I know, um, out there somewhere um, Adam the Computer's laughing at me because he thinks it's simplistic, but I fucking love it. Like, Gardner Fox, man. I wish he was alive yeah. so I could get him on the show, dude. I, I'd, I, I, I could sit down for hours with that man. You know, big cup of cocoa, chill out, pull up a chair, Gardner, take us through the years, you know? <laughs> take oh, us... That'd be great. Oh, it'd be such a pleasure. It would be a pleasure for me to be do that. Like that, I would, I would drop. I would, I would, I would, I'd be, I'd be humble. I'd be like, man, just take us through, you know, take us through, you know, the first time you you, you met the Justice Society in Justice League. Well, where were you at, man? Like, you know, we 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 play our way through the hits. He did some Conan pastiches, Conan books and stuff like that that are pretty hardcore. I mean, what a genius, man. You know, like. He doesn't get enough credit, dude, Gardner Fox. People forget about Gardner. They always talk about Stan Lee. How about a Gardner Fox? How about we throw it up for him? You know, pull one out for him, guys. You know? Agree. Yeah. I knew I knew you'd agree with him, Rich, because people are always like, oh, he's plot. He, he was all plot. Yeah, no, she was all plot, and it was fucking great. Yeah. What? How dare he be all plot? Yeah, like, oh, my oh, God, like, you know. Yeah, he churned out these cool plots with all these characters, man, and bounced them around. And and so much gold, so much gold, you know. And it's like I'll be honest with you. I wish a lot of writers today could focus on fucking plot. Yeah, I, I agreed. Uh, Grant Morrison, when he wrote JLA, he said that Gardner Fox's stories were a huge inspiration to him to make him focus on plot. You know, like obviously you would weave in more character now than he did back in the day, but the plots he the came up I have with. Is a lot of- well, that's the problem with a lot of writers today is mm. they see all the older guys as problematic. Oh, you know? fuck oh, 
those old codgers from back in the day, they know they were not enlightened as me. They wrote racist books or sexist books. I've got nothing to learn from them. And it's like, <laughs> that's a real shame because you really do. Like you, you can learn so much if you actually yeah took the yeah time. yeah and it, I, I'm calling out most of the Marvel fucking writers working in the industry right now, most of the clowns and, and they wear clowns and they are clowns. They wear clown hats and they're clowns and they drive clown cars, and and they they phone it in, man, don't they? They phone it in, and. Uh, you know, they're ticking, okay, yeah, they're ticking the diversity boxes, and in some cases I I understand why they're doing that, but give me a decent plot, please. Go and read. Seriously, go and but read. That's, but that's the thing, Angle, before you say go and you read. Like, people argue, oh, but this, people, politics have always been in comics. Yes, they have, but they were so much better written yeah, when exactly. they were doing the politics. Your shit is, is so badly written, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I know, and they don't want to hear it. But, dude, seriously, I would say, I would say, if you if you're coming on, and, and believe you me, most of these people have some talent. You, you're coming on. Forget about. Just put aside kind of your bullshit for a second. Just put put all that garbage aside to one side, and just look at it as a creative exercise. Go and read some of that Gardner Fox stuff. You don't have to read hundreds of issues. Go and read, say, 10 issues. It's probably going to take you about an hour, hour and a half. Then what did you learn? Well, I learned that he could really compress his plot down into it. Yes, and imagine if you just inserted a bit of character into those kind of plots. Wow, that would be a really good idea. Yeah, no shit. Okay, well, just remember what Gardner Fox did. He laid a template down. He wrote plots. He managed all these various characters Blah, blah, blah. He did all this cool stuff, usually inside an issue. Very rarely did he go over an issue, man. Sometimes he had two stories in an issue. And it's like it was all about plot. And that isn't a bad thing. And Chuck Dixon said, he said, you know why they they always say they don't care about plot? Because plot's the hard part. You know? Oh, God, yes. It is. It is so. And as a writer, it is. Plotting is so much harder. You know, and it requires, when I say hard, it requires work, you know, and if you don't want to do the work, then you're going to run into the flabby kind of Bendis shit, and worse than Bendis. Bendis is actually not as bad as some, but he, but certainly where he's gotten to now um, is the result of someone who's just basically almost given up on decent plots. You know, back in the day on Ultimate Spider-Man, oh, he had plots. Bendis just wants to have characters fucking sitting around a coffee table talking. Yeah. If Bendis could get away with just having Superman talk to Lois in the kitchen for an entire issue, he would Jesus. do it. He would too, wouldn't he? He just wants dialogue. Bendis just wants to write dialogue. He just wants to write characters talking. What's his obsession with talking? Like, it's like a little it's bit easy. of talking. It's just easy to have just two people sitting around talking than actually fucking plot out an actual cool entertaining yeah. action-packed story because i mean that's the thing like plot is important all that but you know what you also have to write for the issue you can't yeah. write for the trade yeah right and, and go okay this is the story and i've got to fucking spread it out over six issues no you have to write and make each issue entertaining yeah like you got it's it. almost like each issue has to have a, a beginning a middle and an end like you have to treat each issue mm. as almost a separate story yeah. Yes, it's part of the whole story, but each issue has to be entertaining in its own right. You 100%. can't say like, "Oh, well, this is just the this is just going to be the the dialogue fucking issue where I drop all the you know um, all the witty comments." 
when you when you exposition, exposition there was yeah. it. When you're filling in all, you know, oh, this is going to be exposition. No, that's not fun. That's not entertaining. No, like, it's not. fucking work on writing each, like, map it out. Like, I'm yeah. busy working on, I'm busy working on my, my first story. Mm. And I've mapped it out where I go, okay, each issue has to have a cliffhanger, right? Yeah. I have to if finish each chapter or issue on a cliffhanger. And then I've got to work out what needs to happen in those issues because I want something to happen in each sort of issue and then i also want to leave it with a, a cool little cliffhanger that makes you want to turn the page or mm. get the next issue and all that but i don't feel like they do that sometimes i read a comic today and it just ends mm. do you know what i mean mm. like you, you kind of almost turn the page and go <laughs> tune in next week and you're like the <laughs> fuck i was like yeah. that's it just yeah. i'm ending it here with two characters going okay and then tune in next like i'm like that's not fun come on well yeah and i mean look even great shows and stuff like doctor who was occasionally doctor who always finished usually on a cliffhanger you know in the stories but there were some issues there were some episodes over the years where, where that cliffhanger was very manufactured <laughs> like but in general they did have a they did have a cliffhanger no, no I'm not I, saying, look, yeah. I don't necessarily mean it has to be a cliffhanger where it's like it's life or death mm. i just mean it's a cliffhanger where it ends and you go ooh, yeah like you know where it could just be someone being revealed or the bad guy being revealed. Like it's just, when I say a cliffhanger, I just mean you've got to end it on something that is a page turner that makes you want to go. Oh, now I've got to um, tune in next month or tune mm. in next week, or whatever. When I say a cliffhanger, I just mean it's it's something that leaves you wanting more. Yeah, no, I hear man. I, I I think you make some some great points as usual, Rich. And um, some people need to take some learn some lessons. Uh, now, how about this? Margot Robbie says the female-led parts of the Caribbean movie is dead at Disney. I guess they didn't want to do it. Um, they were doing sort of, if you recall, it was going to be an all-female cast. And Michelle made the yeah. comment: Did they learn from Ghostbusters, which bombed, and the new, <laughs> and the new? Remember the new Charlie's Angels, which also bombed. Um, it's a shame because I would have thought you could have put her in a movie and had her playing kind of a not a female Jack Sparrow, but a female character, and she could have been quite kooky and fun, but unfortunately... Yeah, but, the, but again, again, instead of them saying, oh, we're making a pirate movie with Margot Robbie, they mm. say, we're making an all-female yeah, pirate yeah. movie with yeah. Margot Robbie. It's like, why must it be all-female? Why can't you just say we're making a pirate movie with Margot Robbie? You'll have more people interested than you saying. Yeah. Because, again, that was, you know... Um, that was the that's the biggest problem with these um i was having this conversation with my friend the other day and it's like i said to, for me a red flag now is when they say all female or modern audience or updating or you know um reworking something because i go but you're saying that there's something wrong with it then you're saying that mm. it needs to be fixed that it was a fluke that something was popular because you <laughs> see it as problematic. Do you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. And you're going to now fix it for a modern sensibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Modern sensibility. I'm just like, what does that even fucking mean? It means you're going to make it boring. It means you're going to make it like you're going to neuter it. You're what going to. Mean? It means that they're trying to sort of like um, PCify it, basically. You know. Yeah, but what that means is you're going to make it inoffensive to almost everyone, which means you're going to make a boring movie. Like, oh. The per a good example was the most recent Saints Row game. Oh, yeah, they I heard that awesome. was really bad. Like, like oh, this, the, the, the Saints Row, while they were good games, we're proud of them, they're problematic, and, you know, that humor doesn't represent us anymore. That and sucks. It's, you know, we need, to, we need to rework it and modernize it for a modern sensibility and 
today's climate and then it turns out to be that everyone hated it everyone was just like oh my god i can't fucking stand to play this game it's so i i heard that because i i enjoyed i mean you remember dude uh, i enjoyed the first couple of saints rows like a lot mm. um but i and when i heard there was a new saints row i was like sweet but those games were like balls to the wall crazy like the originals this is as well in a sense but it's the more gen z comedy which is like everyone's just wacky yeah. you know what i mean but not in like not in a fun or entertaining way just is a, it oh almost God, like druggy humor like when you do that like you know they're so wacky it's like they're all on sort of like or is it just everyone's i don't know everyone's just everyone's just off the wall okay so the problem is it's like it's like everyone has the same personality and the same sense of humor yeah you yeah. know what i mean like and the, the, the original Saints Row is you had the people with different attitudes. Yeah. Yes, they were all wacky, but they were all wacky in their own specific way. Mm. Right? You know what I mean? Like, this maybe this character was crass. This character was ditzy. This character, you know, was uh, sexist or something like mm. that. They were all weird or, or, or funny in their own way. Whereas now when they write characters, and this mm. is, you know, it's a problem I have with the MCU in general and all that. It's like everyone has the same quirky personality and tells the same. Oh yeah, there's character. definitely there's definitely a similarity, uh, definitely in the uh, there's a formula to the characterization as much as the plot for sure. Um, and you know they'll just point to the box office and just say, "Well, we win, we're best." You know. Oh, um, Ghostbusters didn't win it to go. Ghostbusters certainly, Ghostbusters certainly did not win at the box office. But look, I just think you know they they made they, you're making that movie for the wrong reason then. If yeah. your first instinct is we want to make a... Because, fe- by the way, they didn't set out to make a male Pirates of the Caribbean, right? That, right. that wasn't that wasn't like... That wasn't the top of the list, like, we're going to make a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but it was all be male. No, they just made a movie. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's only really four characters in that movie, and that's mm. um, uh, Sparrow, yeah. um, Turner, Elizabeth, and uh, Bob Osa. Mm. But they had a female in there, so it's not an all-male. No, it's true. Anyway, you know I mean? look, it's, so, it's not happening. So, I mean, I, I, I don't even know what to think of it. I, I think if they'd made it female-led, it probably would have been fine uh, with, I don't know, what they should have done. All but, you had to do was say, we're making a pirate movie with Margot Robbie. That's yeah, it. That's, that's pretty much all I need to do. I was going to say that. If you said Margot Robbie was, was headlining a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, that probably would have been enough. And, and I'm sort of surprised they're not making it because that feels like it's still... I mean, she's still a big name. She's a huge name, so... Yeah, I forget she exists until you bring her up. Oh, that's because you don't like her, Richard, for some unknown reason. I don't even know why. You don't... I don't... No, I don't dislike her. I nothing her. She's literally nothing... No, but you don't me. like her like... Harley Quinn, and you know I do. A lot. Yeah, um, but it's not just that. I mean, I've, I don't even know a movie I've seen her in other than Harley Quinn. Wolf of Wall Street? Barbie. Okay, Barbie, there you go. Okay. Hitch. There you Hitch. go. Uh, not Hitch. The, the one with um, the one with um Will Smith, where she was the con oh, artist. It was, it was a good movie. Uh, Snatch, I think it was called. Whatever it was, it was a good film with her and Will Smith. It was good. Um, yeah. Uh, like, but check out Wolf of Wall Street, man. That's where she came of attention to me. She's very good at that movie. Um. Anyway, Henry Winkler. Agrees he's a damn fool for rejecting Danny Zuko grease offer. I should have shut up and taken it, he says now. 
It's a long time in New England to have those regrets. That was way back in the late 70s. Do you only realise that now? <laughs> hey, he's the Fonz, man. Like, you know. Like... Did you wake up recently and go, oh, my God, why did I take this? But, like. That'd be funny. Could you imagine if he just woke up, like, a couple of nights ago and went, oh, my God, turned down the the uh, the, the, the Grease movie? Like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, and it's like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Like, it's, it's not recent history, Henry. <laughs> I wonder, um, I don't know, like, I mean, but during that period, wouldn't he have been doing Happy Days when he was, like, in the prime of his career? Well, that's probably why they, um, probably, maybe that's why he got the offer. Because yeah, of the yeah, yeah. But, like, when to Travolta, Travolta did a fantastic job. Had that awesome chemistry with Olivia Newton-John. May she forever rest in peace. Um, so I don't know. I like Terry Winkler, but it's like, dude, come on, you you did okay. I don't know if it's because I, it's, I don't know if it's because I never really watched it and, and I've only seen it as an adult. But I've never seen Henry Winkler as the cool guy, even when he was the Fonz. I was just kind of like, who's this old guy like pretending to be cool? Oh, he's okay as 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 the Fonz. As the Fonz, I thought he was super cool. Yeah, but isn't as the Fonz he's supposed to be like a high schooler or something, like a high school dropout or something? He's he looks like an old man. No, he's the Fonz. He's he's like left high school and stuff. Like he's he's like in his I don't know how old the Fonz is, like thirty or something. I think. Is he? Because then he's hitting on a lot of fucking high school. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. I don't actually know. But no, he's he's not like in high school. He's like ex. no. I thought he was like a, a high school. Like he just left high school. Or he dropped out of high school. But I thought he was supposed to be like 18, 19, 20 tops. Like yeah, not actual age, but what he was supposed to be in the show. That's a good question. Let's... Me, he always, me, he always looked like he was forty. Well, <laughs> I mean, later in the show, he definitely got um. He definitely he was originally a secondary character, but was soon positioned as a lead character, and he began surpassing the other characters in popularity. To many, Fonzie is seen as the epitome of a cool and a sex symbol. Uh, Arthur Fonzarelli was born to an Italian American family. Blah blah blah. Uh, I don't know. It is originally envisioned as a tall male blonde character. I don't know, man. Like that's a very he has a very high moral code. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. At, at the beginning of the series, Fonzie is a high school dropout, prompting establishment characters to view him as a rebel and bad influence. Fonzie is shown once attempting to go back to school with Richie, but later decides it isn't just for him and drops out again. However, a few seasons later, Fonzie is secretly attending night school and ultimately earns his high school diploma. Through yeah, it all, it was awesome. yeah, through it all, Fonzie worked as an auto mechanic. He later became an auto mechanic instructor of Jefferson High School and finally a fully fledged teacher. And that would have been the very last few episodes, surely, where that happened. Like, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, where the happy days has really jumped the shark. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, interesting question. I, I agree with you. I always felt he was playing older than, like, Richie and stuff. I always felt he was older. Um, I watch a lot of Happy Days in my life, but I certainly haven't captured every single episode, but I've seen a fair chunk of it. Um, anyway, pretty funny. Pretty funny stuff. Good old Fonz, man. Like, one of the all-time classics, in my opinion. Uh, you're not quite as enamoured as I am, Rich. I thought he was fun, but I just always 
it was just always weird whenever I looked at him. I was just like, you just look too old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for a high schooler, you just look way too old. Yeah, like no. all the actors were too old, were, were older, but he just looked way too old. Well, dude, by the end, I'm remember I'm remembering episodes late in the show where he had a beard. You know, there are episodes late in the Happy Days run where he, he's rock he's rocking like a full beard. I remember, and he looks yeah, yeah. He, he looks like he's about forty. You know, like seriously, like it's and, and that's late in the show, man. You know, like. That's when the show was on its very last legs, you know, where where uh-huh. where when Fonzie has the beard, you know, Happy Days is not long for the world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he was everywhere in the seventies and eighties, man. Like there was a period of time where you could not get away from Arthur Fonzarelli, you know. Very true. Very true, man. Very true. Now, anyway, moving on from Henry Winkler. Ah, uh, God, Ryan Johnson. Revealed during an interview with Variety that he's still keen to return to the galaxy far, far away. Making Star Wars was the high point of my life, he said. I pray to God I'll be back there someday. God, I pray to God he's not. Jesus. Like, no thank you. What do you say, Rich? Uh, yeah, Ruin Johnson can just keep making his own movies. Like, honestly, like, I think he's better at making his own movies. I agree. Keep, just keep, keep him away from properties. I, I don't. I don't hate him as a filmmaker. Sure. I hate him as a, um, a franchise a company guy. filmmaker. Like a, yeah, yeah. Fran- like make your own franchise. You seem to be good because again, you can do what you want. As your characters, yeah. I got no expectations for your characters and how you want to treat them or do them or mm. whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like it's mm. cool. That's why I said like. I don't, like, if you want to do things with characters, I'm not against, like, oh, no, you mustn't do... It's like, no, just don't do that to established characters that you didn't have a hand in creating, and sure. it's technically your job to to safeguard them and, and you know, keep them safe for, for millions of people yet to come. Mm. Your job is not to ruin them and destroy them. Like, just, like do that to your own characters. I think if you want to do that, if yeah. you want to... Yeah, just stay there. So I'm, I'm okay with him. Like he's what was it, Knives Out, all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Looper. You know, mate, you're a good filmmaker. Just just stay away from franchises. Stay away from established stuff. I I agree with you, Richard. I think you've made a very good point. Uh, Games Workshop Workshop has released a Christmas single sung by an orc. I'm dreaming of a green Christmas. This is pretty fun That's, stuff, man. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I think they really missed out there. They really should have said, "I'm dreaming of a red Christmas," because you know, blood. Yeah, violence. Good one. No, good one, Rich. Uh, Emily Blunt has spoken out about the strong female lead. It's the worst thing ever when you open a script and read the word "strong female lead." That makes me roll my eyes. I'm already out. I'm bored. These roles are written as incredibly stoic. You spend the whole time acting tough and saying tough things. Um, she's got a point. Uh, oh yeah, I completely agree with her. The whole strong female character has just been fucking worked into the dust now. Mm. Yep. How about this? You know Martin Sheen, Rich. You're familiar with the man, the legacy, Apocalypse Now, etc. Sounds sounds familiar. Yeah, he regrets not using his real name professionally, which I believe was Ramon Estevez. Uh, mm. He's left it. Can I say this? Fairly late in the game to have these regrets. Martin Sheet has been going. Yeah, but for a you know time. what? Uh, I, I can, I kind of disagree with that. What? Um, what? Because I, I know people are saying, "Oh no, it's because you don't want to sound like you're Mexican or Spanish, or you don't want to sound Jewish." And I'm like, yeah, I get that because obviously, um, 
you definitely do sound like a foreigner, but there's plenty of Western white actors who also change their names just to make it sound cooler because you wanted something like when you're an actor, like, let's be honest, you want your name to be kind of like memorable. You want it to be easy. You know, Martin Sheen is a lot, you know, it it sounds like a movie star more than what. But but the reason, the reason he, the reason he dropped it was because he didn't want to associate it with like Estevez, like with uh, Spanish. That was, that was his reasoning. Yeah, that's what I said. A lot of people have done that, whether they be Jewish or, you know, lots of Jewish people. Um, And by the way, I mean, Hollywood, there was lots of Jewish producers, filmmakers, but even a lot of Jewish actors, they change their producers and all that. They change their name because they just wanted to sound more Hollywood. And and to avoid anti-Semitism and stuff back in the day. Um, But anyway, so, but but aren't you laughing at this? Like Martin Sheen, like, I mean, this guy has been going for a very long time, Rich. And now, now, when he's pretty much done, he's like, oh, well, I wish I'd used my other name. It's like, really? Do you? Or are you just saying that now? Why? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, why? Like, I kind of feel like, you know, maybe it's because of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah, he maybe, was maybe he's wishing so... now that he was, a, he was an Estevez like his <laughs> other son and not a Sheen like his Yes, like that's his, a good point. That would be funny if he actually said that. Um, yeah, I just find it b- bizarre to me. Like, to, like, also, can I say this? I love Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez, but the whole thing about Emilio Estevez, how he never used the Sheen name, but he was well known to be the son of and the brother of Charlie Sheen. So what was the difference? Really? It was... What, maybe, what? It was at, yeah, maybe it was at the start. Maybe, maybe it was. You know, maybe maybe it you're was. thinking of it like once it was known and yeah. he was a bigger name, but I think maybe at the start, like when he was... Men at work first going for parts, and so you're saying pre minute work, pre stakeout, yeah, yeah, pre another yeah, stakeout. First, first started acting, whether it be getting commercials or yeah, or okay. whatever. I think maybe then he was just trying to do it without you know, without the Martin Sheen pre so almost fire, if you recall. You know, who's Emilia Westervis is so almost fire, remember? Um, yeah, mate, it's pre was Emilia Westervis. Yeah, he was in well, um, Breakfast Club. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, Breakfast Club. That was one of the earliest things I remember seeing him in. Yeah, I, I think Sonoma's Fire predates it by a year. I think Sonoma's Fire is like 84 and Breakfast Club's mm-hmm. 85. But yeah, they're both very early. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, Starfield, Rich. We, we know this has been delayed. Um, Phil Spencer says delaying was just the right thing to do. And he even said it wasn't really a decision. I'm like, it was a decision. You made a decision to delay it. He goes, I wouldn't call it a decision. Well, I would. You made a decision. Well, I get. I guess what I get what he's trying to say. I he, what he's trying to say is that it was obvious. It wasn't right. Like, I say, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I think what he meant to say was well, like it, it wasn't a choice of like shit. No, there was no there was no decision to be made. It's not ready. I so it it is what it is. I think that's what he meant. Well, I'd rather they put out a game that was fully formed than you know just half done kind of thing that yeah you know. well i mean uh uh i'm trying to remember now the the guy that created the the mario brothers and all that he basically said like a a um a, a game that releases unfinished will always be unfinished or something like that but a game mm. that's delayed will can be perfect or something like that so 
um, yeah, I mean, it's it's always best to delay it. I mean, there's plenty of games to play in the meantime. It's not like, yeah. you know, for any person who's like, no, I must have Starfield now. I'm like, mate, like, go find another game. There's plenty of There, there is a lot of games, like, honestly. Like, I, I've got, like, three or four games right now that I could be playing, you know, and, and will be. Like, there's plenty of stuff. Um, is the Starfield by the makers of Skyrim? Is it, like, am I right in saying that? Or am I, am yeah, I right? yeah, that's Bethesda, yes. Okay, so... Didn't they announce a new Elder Scrolls thing? Wasn't there some video or something at some point? Like, wasn't there something about Elder Scrolls is coming? I yeah, yeah, they've announced that they're going to be working on another one, but there's no... No no date. Uh, yeah, oh, no, no, they said don't expect that for a long time because uh, they're working on uh, Starfield first. I see, okay. Uh, Disney adds dolls and wheelchairs to It's a Small World, their ride. Um, no. I'm surprised they haven't done it already, actually. Frankly, I'm surprised it's taken money. money, mate. What do you mean money? They've got plenty of money. If you Rich. can get a, if you can get away with not spending any money until someone makes a scene, then you, <laughs> then you go, damn it. All right, well we put it off. But as it's as a small now. world is all that that right is all about include you know inclusivity and stuff inclusivity. Yeah, I don't know. I think we've taken that a bit too far now. But that's what it's a small world's all about. No, but a small world is supposed to be about countries, man. It's supposed to be about it's a small world, like yeah. But now it's about people, people with disabilities, man. Yeah, well, and then it's going to be this <laughs> and that and whatever, and then it's going to be almost unfucking recognizable as a. Well, it's got to be. You're going to be. You're, you're going to go in there right and go. What the fuck is that? What is that? It's gotta, you, they've got to. They've got to. They've got to have stuff for the LGBTQ community. They've got to have stuff for the disabled community, for the blind community, deaf. You know, yeah, for the furries. <laughs> <laughs> All the different kinks that you are in the world. You're really going to get going to get going to get pedophiles at some point. They're not going to do that. Where did we draw the line, Dave? Where did we draw the line? With what? What is legal and what is not, man? My friend, I said when the when pedophile becomes legal. I didn't say. Well, that's never going to happen. Hopefully, yeah, it will. I don't know, man. But it'll be it'll be it'll it'll be deemed a sexual preference. Just <laughs> it will not. It will not. I'm going to push back against that. Um, All right, we'll see. But I I actually think it is time that the like in all honesty, I think disabled people should have been represented before now. I'm surprised it's taken this long because it's all about inclusivity and stuff. Like, it's it's a small world. It's like you know, seeing everyone's country and stuff. And I guess in the country they've got all the different versions. Have they got like in China? Hey, hey, listen, I've never been on the ride. Can someone in a wheelchair like go on the ride? They're white. Yes, yes. I, I, in the article that I read, they already had wheelchair like um, you know, things in the boats. Yes. Okay. Yes, so, so, I don't know. I've, I've never been on the ride. I've either. not been on the ride either, but I've always wanted to I, go. I know on the it. song and all that sort of crap, but I mean, I had no idea. Of even yes, it is wheelchair on. accessible. Yes, I can confirm that. Or already was prior, which is why I'm saying I'm surprised it took them so long. Do they have people with like um, what are those things called, Rich? You know the sticks. You know the blind people with the sticks. What are the sticks called? Walking sticks, guide sticks, or something? Do they have that kind of stuff going on on the ride? I don't know. Well, they can't see anything, so it doesn't matter. No, but like, no, I understand. I don't mean people <laughs> watching. I mean when you're looking at the countries, are people walking around with the sticks? 
with guide dogs and stuff because they should have that as I well. I don't know. Maybe they're like, well, we don't have to represent them because they can't see it. I don't. <laughs> I don't I, know, Dave. Like, I don't, I don't it's all stupid to me. I don't know. It's, it is a little it's bit. It's supposed to be just animatronic singing. It's a fucking small world. And then <laughs> all people on a small fucking tiny planet, they just get along. We don't have to, you know, you don't, Jesus Christ. We're getting very specific like, now, though, Rich. We're, we're dialing into the specificities of the whole thing. But that's my point. When they made that ride, it was more of a generality, and now we need to make it something so goddamn specific. It just, I don't know. Well, I've got some news. I, I was thinking this in bed the other day. I was thinking in between the defeat of Sauron at the end of Return of the King and Galadriel going into the West, what happened? Well, someone has done my research for me. What did Galadriel oh, do? That's nice, eh? What did? Yeah, I know. And you should take that as inspiration because some of the stuff I come up with during the week that I throw out to you comments, maybe do a bit of research because sometimes I'm, I'm on ideas factory, you know. man. I'm on ideas. Maybe no. What are you saying? I said maybe no. (laughs) Maybe no. Uh, Okay. What did Galadriel do after Sauron's defeat? Listen, when you do it, when you work nine days in a row, (laughs) then you can then you can can tell me how I should be doing uh, research. That's okay. For your ideas. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My half baked ideas. (laughs) Even though Sauron was defeated, it didn't mean peace instantly returned to Middle Earth. To the south, Sauron's forces were still waging war and ignorant of their master's demise. One of the enemy's key fortresses was at Dol Gudor in Mirkwood Forest, where Sauron had regained his strength. And it was here that Galadriel helped push back the forces of evil once and for all, leaving their home of Loth- Lothrian, or have you say that? L- I don't know. Lothrian, I think it's called. Or something. What is it? I think it's called Lothlothrian or something. Lothlothrian. Okay, Lothlothrian. Galadriel and her elven army worked together with Thandral, the king of the Woodland Realm. With their forces combined, they led a siege against Dogodor and the orcs inside, completely wiping them out and tearing the fortress to the ground. And this hard-earned victory marked the last battle Galadriel ever fought. And then she went into the West Ridge. So are you happy now? That's the end of the story. You can put the book down. Well, I would have assumed that that was the end, because just like Star Wars, like, you know, that's like, yes, the movie ends with like, <laughs> the Death Star's blown up, but there's still years of fucking fighting of taking down yeah. the Empire and its forces and all that. That would be exactly the same as yes. as Lord of the Rings. Anyone who thought like, okay, Sam's defeated, let's go home. No more to do here. It's like, <laughs> well, of course, there's going to be still fighting and, you know, all sort of crap. I didn't, I didn't think that needed to be explained, but okay. No, I need it explained. I need it explained in a lot of detail. Um, Shopping with the gang, Rich, I've got two things here. Spectacular Spider-Man Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover uh, has come out covering... This was the second Spider-Man official volume. Um, I think it covers the first 42 issues. I'm seriously considering buying this Omnibus. And Aliens, the original Marvel years... Or the original years Omnibus Volume 3 hardcover is coming out. I know Ray... Uh, we own from Into the Nine, Last Sons of Krypton. He's hardcore into these. Mm. And potentially next week we could be having Ray on the show to do an Aliens miniseries. But yeah, no, pretty hardcore.
weekly comics, Rich. The first up was, um, look, we could just do a snapshot of this. Our Man 1 to 5. Um, uh, Rags Morales on art duties. Um, mm. uh, am I Ryan saying Tom Pyre on, on writing? Um, and recommended by Adam the Computer. I very much enjoyed this. And, and yet, it felt very much of its time. It felt like a comic we wouldn't get now. And we're the poorer for it. You know, I feel we're the poorer for not having this kind of comic on the shelves. Now, it was really of its moment. JLA was very dominant at the time with Grant Morrison. uh, And you could sell a lot of books just based on that logo, like for for that few years, that golden run. Um, What did you think of this, Rich, the first five issues? Oh, I read this ages ago. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I think I've got quite a lot of it in floppies as well. Really? Okay, see, so, yeah, see, this is I didn't, I didn't need. I, I remember Our Man from the um, the Morrison JLA. Like I do remember that and stuff. And I remember him being in um, in uh, DC One Million. But I, I, I didn't even know that this comic existed. And, and frankly, if I'd picked it up and read it then, I would have really enjoyed it. I, I, I felt Rags Morales's art. Uh, it's very mm. different from his later art. It's a, it's a very kind of much more primitive style but i enjoy it you see that i what i love about comics like this is i love a writer that can come in and go okay how i want to use the established world yeah to 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 tell a story and all that and so you know it's very surprising you know because snapper car is in this right you know snapper car is not being a thing for in comics for since his own run, which was I think in the eighties, no, it could be, yeah, I think there's the eighties mm. uh, when he was running around in space and he got teleportation powers by snapping his fingers and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, <laughs> he's been out of, but he'd been out of comics since like um, after that, you know. So yeah. at this point, I think he was out of comics for like close to twenty years. So again, our man, you're gonna that means he's got tying stuff with JSA, but you're also using snap a car. And that's you know again you you're utilizing the world you're utilizing you're not just creating your own characters mm. and trying to squeeze them into that established world. Yes, there is new characters like the Beth and all that sort of stuff, and you are creating your own. But you, you, it's more like you're adding that because you are using other building blocks to help mm. fit your building blocks in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're yeah. using like again established characters and history and all that. So again, I love. Yeah, that's probably why I love Jeff John so much is because he works in the sandbox. You know this I mean? this like, was certainly up the Jeff John's alley, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I I could see... I don't know what else this guy's done in terms of writing, but I, I was very impressed uh, with what I read. I, I thought it was five issues, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep going on this. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to look it up. Tom Pyre, uh, American comic book creator and editor. I believe he did a lot of editing. Uh, um, okay, so he's done a lot of um, done a lot of uh, writing. Like, there's a lot of he's got a lot of credits. Um, at Marvel and DC. Um, anyway, so some Superman, some Authority, Batman, like a lot of one issue stuff. Like, it looks like he's done a lot of fill in work. Did some Flash. Uh, well, probably maybe Legion, as an editor, he could just step in. Yeah, you know, knowing yeah. being familiar with maybe. Uh, the world and the work of the characters. Well, this hour man was, I, I felt, was really, really impressive. I, I, it, it, 
I love it because it's written by someone who knows yeah. the history and the law and the world that they're writing in. Yeah. So I doth top my hat to people that can do that. Yeah. And Snapper Carl, let's talk about him for a second. So I know him as a Just League mascot and love him as Just League mascot at some point, And we should probably dig the issue up. He betrayed the Justice League, which is referred to here. Um, something to do with Joker. I know that. It's something to do with Joker. I don't, I've don't. i not actually read the issue. I will track the issue down and maybe next... I believe it's kind of like he's blackmailed into doing it and all that sort of stuff. So, Well, how about next week I track down the issue and we do as a flashback Friday? Would you enjoy that? Sure. Yeah, I'll do yeah. that. I'll track, I'll track I'm always down. happy. I'm always happy to go visit Happy Harbour. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and like, but Tom, John Pyre, I, I, I definitely, I tip my cap to him as well. I, I, I thought this was really good, and thank you to um to Adam the computer, who is the one who alerted me to this. I know Rich was already aware of it from back in the nineties, man. Like, this was like late nineties, Rich. Am I right? Yeah, this was right after the DC one million. So yeah, it would have been like um. Like ninety nine. When was that? Like yeah, I was gonna say ninety eight, ninety nine, something around there. A golden time, man. A golden time for comic book collecting. I was in my element back in those days, man. That was David, just full force, you know. The last of the good times. Well, before the dark times came. The dark times, Rich. Wow, the dark times, man. Um. So yeah, I'm giving this hour, man, like an eight point five out of ten. Now, you're telling me that last week we discussed Golden Age or the new Golden Age or whatever the fuck it's called, this Jeff Johns thing. Yeah. I, I don't remember. I was so confused reading it. Like, I enjoyed it at some parts, but then I was reading about it. Apparently, the kid in the cot is the new Dr. Manhattan. I was reading this article, and I was like, what did I miss out? Like, can you explain to me what went on in this comic, Rich? Just give me the, the dumbed-down version. Is so, there any- it's basically, yeah. it's just a lot of setup mm. um, for the, the, the JSA. So, basically... Uh, no, no. What's that guy? So one of their biggest villains is um, uh, is is a guy called uh, Dagon. I think that's right. his name. He's like a he's a, he's a time traveling guy. Mm. Um, so now he's obviously he's doing something where he's he kills the JSA, but it always starts with him killing Doctor Fate. Right. So that's one of the storylines. So one of the storylines is involving. Dr. Fate mm. um, and him having these premonitions and um, and stuff. And, and they've obviously created a lot of new characters for for this series. Mm. Um, uh, but so that's one storyline. And then you've got the other storyline, which is Catwoman uh, or Huntress, sorry. Yeah. Um, which, But it looks like it's the Earth 2 Huntress. The daughter uh, of Catwoman uh, and um, Bruce. And Batman, yeah, and Bruce. Uh, because obviously Bruce dies in this and all that. Sort of I, I, I understood that story. That story was... Yeah, and then... Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure on the... Um, the the the, um, the Watchmen stuff. Mm, that was um, the stuff that confused me. Like, apparently... Well, the thing is, you say that's the new Dr. Manhattan, but that's that's that right. emblem wasn't on the baby's forehead. It was on someone else's forehead. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, look, I'm going off an article I read, man. I'm not saying it. I, I didn't even realize that. But that was Marinette and Mimes. Um, kid. Yeah, that, that's the characters I think he introduced in the... Doomsday um, Clock. Doomsday Clock. But the mm. person... It's the person in the snow that I believe has the... Mm. The, the Dr. Manhattan. Now, yes, they do need to find the kid for something, but I don't know. Okay. 
So there's a new Dr. Manhattan now, apparently. Or, or someone that with his powers. What happened to the original well, Dr. Manhattan? Okay, so basically you've got to remember that this this golden age and all that, it's all about legacy and mm. sidekicks and, and new, you know, mm. uh, new title holders and all that sort of stuff. So, of course, I mean, it sounds to me like Jeff Johns wants to bring a version of Dr. Manhattan into the actual... Um, DC Universe. I mean, they tried to do that I in thought New they 52 did that. Captain Atom. I thought they did that. Like, I thought Dr. Manhattan was in, like, fucking Doomsday Clock. I wasn't in Superman and God knows what else he no, was well, in. Just, he was, no, he was just in Doomsday Clock. But in New 52, they tried to make Captain Atom mm. kind of like a, a Dr. Manhattan, but mm, didn't really sell, so. Oh, okay. But I thought Dr. Manhattan was also in, like, a Superman thing. A Superman story of some sort. I thought he was in that. Am I wrong? I thought Doctor Manhattan was yes, but that was that was all just set up for um, Doomsday Clock. Okay, but in Doomsday Clock was he evil or what was he doing? What was what was he actually doing? Was he evil? Not evil. He just he doesn't have any empathy. He doesn't have any like right morals in a sense. So he was just conducting an experiment. Right. Okay. Does he get killed? But he or... doesn't. Really, but he doesn't really care who he hurts or. Does he get killed? Oh shit! I can't remember now. Yeah, I know he leaves, or he, he leaves. maybe he dissipates or something. Maybe he right. Okay. Like, right. Well, anyway, I gotta be honest. Uh, like, gotta be honest. Like, in all honesty, brutal honesty, I'm a little bit over it. I I don't care. It's all. Look, my, I'm you not. Know. I'm not interested in that. In that shit. I'm mm. more interested in the in the Dagon and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Doctor Fate and JSA. And yeah, that's all. Stuff. That's I'm, much better. I'm not really interested in the um. I'm not interested in the Doctor Manhattan. Stuff, but but so. you, you know the Doctor Manhattan stuff. Like a, it's a made up character by Alan Moore in the fucking 80s. Like which served its purpose at the time for a story. I don't know why we're chaining ourselves to it now. Like I, I when something's I, popular, that's what these corporations do. You I know suppose Marvel so. Yeah, they just want they just want to have Doctor Manhattan. Popular, they want to milk it. Yeah, I guess so. That's a good point. Now moving on from that. Um, Stargirl, The Lost Children. I very much enjoyed this issue. I thought it was very easy to understand. Proper Jeff Johns. I mean, I'm giving an 8 out of 10. I, I genuinely enjoy this. I love all the stuff with the, the children that um, have sort of been forgotten, the kid sidekicks, dating back to the beginning. Um, what did you think of this one, Rich? Again, um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the art. Right. But I understand... Why he's gone for this art is because he's he's trying to make it reminiscent of the Stargirl comic book back in the day. Yeah. Um, but it's just maybe a bit I guess maybe the subject matter is a bit too cartoony. Mm-hmm. Like I, I when when she was in high school and you know, oh it's high school, I'm a kid, I can kind of get away with it. I can understand the cartoony nature. Mm-hmm. But like this seems like it's a bit more serious. You're dealing with lost kids, dead you know, yeah, but uh, they're still, it's still and, an adventure, man. It's still an adventure. It's, no, the art's good. I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with the art. I've just mm. thought maybe it, if you were dealing with a little bit more of a maybe a darker theme, you maybe go yeah. for a different art. I gotta be um, honest, I, I'm but dig- the story's good. It's yeah. interesting. I'm fascinated to see, you know, because again, the he's Jeff Johns is right. Back in the day, every fucking hero had a sidekick. Once oh, Batman so. got a sidekick, yeah. everyone. Except for Superman, got a sidekick. So yeah, he had crypto. 
No, but I mean, like a kid psychic. Like, yeah. I think but as a, been, like, I mean, he had crypto as a kid. I, I don't know if he had him as a adult. I mean, even one woman got Wonderful for God's she sake. Did. You know? She did. She so, did. Yeah. Like everyone got a, a kid psychic except for. <laughs> yeah. They just said, "Now we'll just make a super boy." <laughs> super boy, yeah, the, the younger version. Yeah, yeah, that is funny. Um, I'm giving it eight out of ten. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so uh, it, it was really enjoyable. I like what they're setting up. It's a, it's only a mini series. So it's only going for six issues. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm just interested to see what Jeff Jones is going to be doing with the um, with, with the JSA. I'm just I'm just. So is there a JSA comic? I might not necessarily like it. There's a JSA comic coming as well, isn't there? I saw it advertised. Correct. Yes. Yes. So this the the thing that we read last week, the uh, Golden Age, mm. that was like the the, the event book that mm. sets up. Everything. Okay, I see. Oh, by the way, I did like. We didn't talk about this, but I love in the Golden Age how they did the who's who. Yeah. Pages yeah, at the back too. there for like uh, Red Lantern and yeah. Boom and all these new characters that they've created for this story. Dude, if it's good, I'd I'd buy an omnibus of the of it all. If it all pans out to be really good, I I'd buy an omnibus just like I enjoyed his just of Justice Society stuff, his JSA stuff back in the nineties and two thousands. Um, you know, like this is Jeff John's cup of tea. It just feels like if anyone's going to do a good job on it, he will, you know? Um, although one thing I will say is I noticed the artist on the Justice Society was the artist from Superman and the Authority with Grant Morrison. I wasn't a huge fan of that art, frankly, you know? It was very sort of like, uh, kind of watercolory almost to me. It wasn't proper comic book art to me. I, I felt it was very Actually, the, loose. Actually, that art looks a hell of a lot like the like the and the new animation. It's really yeah. scary. But how. that's not good. But oh my god. But but some of the, the rest of the art was was really good. I mean you had Wardway in there, you know, um Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about for the for the new JSA comic, the artist who's going to be yeah, doing it's it. The artist who he does some of the pages in the Golden Age. He right. Does it, um, oh, there's the pages where um, it's not terrible. I'm, no. I'll be honest with you. It's just that um, mm. it's just it's it's so um, like cell shaded in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it's just it's a lot of color with no real depth. But Thank you. Not, yes. It's not it's not terrible. I mean, it's still better. Th- I mean, his his proportions are fine. Mm. He's, but do you know what uh, I'm saying when I say it's almost watercolor? Well, the thing is, it looks it looks a lot like the, the that new animation we were talking about. But I yeah. mean, if the animation looked like this, I'd be more happier though, mm. because yeah. this the, this art is, is still more detailed, yeah, um, than that. But yes, it's it's basically it's it's just outlines yeah. that's just been colored in. Basically, it's like I'm not happy like about it, man. In. I'm not happy about it, dude. Like fuck. it might it might grow on me, but it's really hard to get past that when you when you then go to the next page and you've got a better artist, and then you go to a next page and it's Jerry Ordway, and yeah, you got, and you just go, oh my god, there's so many better ones. I'm gonna than throw a name at you. There. Where's Jim Apero? Can we get him on it? Sadly, uh, he's dead. I, guess he, I, I was gonna say, I guess he he couldn't get out of the grave. Yeah, uh, but seriously, dude, seriously. Oh shit! Actually, sorry, I just realized yeah. something. What? This might actually be our Batman. Who? What do you mean? The 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 <laughs> the Huntress's the I'm Batman's daughter. She might actually be from the future. Okay. Because I'm just remembering now when she's been hugged by Green Lantern. Mm. 
Green Lantern is like super fucking old with a with a white beard and white hair, mm. and it's not Flash Jay Garrick. It looks like it's an old woman or an older woman. Right. And power. Oh, I see. So, so you're saying this could actually well. be the Batman of the regular DCU, old. Is that what you're maybe saying? I don't know what well, maybe I don't know we're going to see what they're setting up but I just <sighs> realized now those characters are super old when she finds out that Bruce is dead so I read today as well Rich will be happy to uh-huh. know this Nubia remember that famous character is now joining the JLA That's wow. familiar. yeah <laughs> remember that quote for that woman oh, I used to read Nubia stories all all day long in the 70s just so many and we checked there was like three it was like yeah yeah, she said what? she had a massive collection under her she bed. Had a and huge all that. collection, and like, like just it, couldn't it, read it enough. It was, Nubia it was stacked up to the ceiling, and I was like, "Really? I've never even heard of this character." And yeah, three appearances. Yep. Okay. So she was exposed as a liar. Um, that was that was as simple as it gets. I'd like to say fraud. I think fraud is better. Yeah, fraud. Sure. Um, okay. So, what are you giving Stargirl the last children? Lost children. Out of yeah, eight out of ten. Okay. Then we had the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Special. Jesus Christ, I'm getting sick of Dan Jurgens, like, milking this shit. It's really getting to me. Everywhere I look, I'm seeing his grinning face, and, and he's just milking this and milking this and milking this, and it's, it's become a parody. Frankly, he wasn't the best writer on the Death of Superman stuff. That was uh, Louis Simonson was the best writer, followed by Jerry Ordway, followed a long way... No, sorry, Roger Stern was the best, followed by Louis Simonson, followed by Ordway, followed a long way behind by Dan Jurgens. Why is Dan Jurgens the fucking face of this? And in this storyline, I don't know why they didn't represent the issue because all this does is like a fucking... like a Cliff Notes version of the Death of Superman story. Um... I felt his story was was mediocre and predictable. Uh, I prefer just reading the original. Um, I will say I enjoyed the Roger Stern storyline. I enjoyed the Louis Simonson storyline with Steel and the Roger Stern stuff with The Guardian, making me care about Guardian, something I never thought would happen. Um, that's Roger Stern. Uh, Dan Jurgens for me, he's a fraud. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a tapped-out fraud. Uh, where are you, Rich? It's a bit harsh. <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit on the harsh side was yeah i think his his story yes i think was just um Filler. a bit more milk toast for yeah, sure sure yeah um but you know what but it kind of fits in with what a special issue is it is kind of like okay so it's everything in this is just a recap yeah of what happened i mean i'm sorry but you say that you you enjoy the roger stern well guess what I that's did. just a recap of what was happening. Well, I enjoyed it a lot God more than, than fucking Dan with Jurgens. The John Henry one, you know, was Steel. I love seeing Steel again, but it's literally just a rehash of what was going on. I know on. it's a rehash, dude, but like fucking Dan Jurgens was just literally quoting out bits from his own story. Like it was like, and here's what happened. Yes, but there. I think his job was for the people that maybe haven't read it. But what? But you know what they should have done? Just present the issue. Of the original, re- no, I fucking think it's, no, I think it's better to. I, I quite like what they were doing where they were trying to tell it where it's his son has just found out for the first time that his father actually died. Also, why was his son dead. an infant again? Like, I thought, or not an infant, like, eight. well, again, this is not set now. This is just this. This obviously, this story technically takes place before, um, Ed has fucked it up. Bender's got his fucking hands on the shit. And, <laughs> but it's and like Dan Jurgens has been sitting on this story. 
like sitting on this story, sitting on this story, waiting for this day. I'm just sick of him being the face of it. Louise Simonson and Roger Stern are storytelling giants compared to Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens is a good penciler. He's a minor talent when it comes to writing. He's not a very good writer. And, like, honestly, he's a far better artist than writer. I, I, is he as good as those guys? No, no, he's not. Uh, he would still much rather read anything that he writes today yeah. than most of the shit that gets written. I today. agree. I, mean, I agree with that. He, yes, he had yes. a really good run on Justice League. He had a really good run with his Booster Gold and all that. So, uh, you know, I don't see him as. Um, but we're going back to the fucking eighties, man. We're, we're dialing back no, to the eighties for that, you know. But you know what? At least he knows how to write Superman. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, at least he's Superman feels like Superman. True. Like, yes, I agree The things that. that he says, the things that he does. He's on brand. You know, he's on brand with Superman. Yeah, I agree. He, yeah. he knows how to write Superman. He knows how to make it sound like Superman, behave like Superman. Yeah. You know, unlike... You know what? I'm going to take back... He's not a fraud. I'm going to take that back. He's not... Look, Dan Jurgens is not a fraud. Like, I'm being harsh. I've, I've had too much coffee. It's late in the night. I, I'm 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 firing fucking rockets, and they're hitting Jurgens because he's slow, he's old, and feeble, you know. And I'm sick of his face, but he's not a fraud. He can write Superman. This was a predictable but I, story, but you know. But the thing is, why I think to answer your question as to why is he like the face of it or something? Yeah, I why? think it's because he's is the art of when Superman dies. So sure. a lot of the promotional stuff, and he did sort of do the last issue that actually culminates in. And he did, and every page was a splash page, right? Yeah, every page was I one know. big giant panel and one. So I think that's why people associate the death of Superman with Jurgens is because of his. It just feels like he's been milking that the, ever the since, thing man. Of the death, dude. It's been thirty years. He's still milking it. You know, come on. So what, though, Dave? You always <laughs> tell people they should milk their shit and get paid and follow the money and all that sort of shit. So why, why, why do you hold it against him when he does what you tell? I'm just to? sick of seeing it, man. Like. <laughs> I, I have a similar. You're a hypocrite, Dave. I have You're a similar. I have a similar. You know what? It also annoys me. I, while we get onto my gripes with modern society, this isn't Dan Jurgens' fault. It's people like I love Born to Run, the Bruce Springsteen album. What I get sick of is it's the 20th anniversary edition. It's the 30th anniversary. Edition, it's the 40th. It's the 50th. It's the same fucking album. You know what I mean? Like it's the same album. You can remix it all you want. It's the same fucking list of songs that Bruce Springsteen recorded in 75. A part of me would prefer to listen to the vinyl from the fucking 70s. Then, oh, we've remixed it. It's repackaged. It's the same old shit. You know, you've, you, nothing's changed. And, and, like, and if you said to me, oh, he's going to go back in and re-record it, I'd be like, no, thank you. Because Bruce Springsteen yeah. of 2022 ain't the Bruce Springsteen of 1975. Okay. But do you but do you have that same attitude with say Bob Dylan or or anything like that? If 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 they were saying? to Whoa, just reproduce something that is of lesser quality but sounds the same, or just redid it? No, I I, I don't want them to do it. No, I like if you're telling me, look with Bob Dylan, they put they're putting out the bootleg series, and this is supposed to be in the news. I forgot. They're putting out the Time Out of Mind stuff and it's all the stuff that, like the original recordings before the remixes and all this shit. I'm down for that because it's all unreleased stuff. But when it's just like it's the same album and we're just putting it out in new packaging, you know, buy it up, kids. It's the 60th anniversary. And, I, and okay. I'm like, I was, What's the I was wanting to make sure that you're... Um... Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you have the you same know. feelings. 
Well, yeah, my, my feelings, and, I, and, and I'm tired of Dan Jurgens. Like, he's milked this for 30 years, dude. Like, come on. Like, what? why is Dan Jurgens the fucking guy? You know, like, there were lots of people involved. There were lots of people involved. Who wrote the issue? Did he write the issue? Or was it just him? Uh, I yeah. think... I think he was the right pen pen in, in Maybe he was. But like to me, Roger Stern was so much better than Dad Jurgens in the in But the, isn't in isn't Dan Jurgens the guy that always said let's just kill him and then they finally did it? So technically isn't his isn't it his I idea? don't even know, man. I, I'm not even sure if that's true. I think it was I, I, I heard Connor saying that it was like um Oh God. Not Simonson, I think, might have said it. I don't know. Someone said it. I'm not sure if it was Dan Jurgens who said it. Somebody said it. There was someone at that table, you are right, who said it every year, like as a joke. And then someone said, like Jerry Ordway or someone, kept saying it. And then they were like, well, let's just do it. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find that documentary again because if it is him, maybe that's why he milks it because it was his idea. Dude, he's just milking it because he drew it. That's why he's milking it, man. Maybe. But you know what? I mean, you say that he's milking it, but man, this this man, he has had a long fucking career and he's worked (laughs) on a lot of stuff. But dude, you've always been in Dan Jurgens' hip pocket, man. You've you've always been a supporter or booster of Jurgens. No, it's because he is a a, a writer that just kind of gives you good stories. Dude, what about his booster? The recent booster gold shit was not good. That blue beetle and booster gold stuff was not good. We we read it, remember? It was terrible. Was it written by him though? Yes. Yes it was. It was. Yes it was, man. Blue and gold or something it was called. Not Tom King's terrible stuff. It wasn't as bad as Tom King's terrible one where Booster Gold was like a you murderer. Sure blue and gold was written by him. I'm gonna look that up. I thought it wasn't. <laughs> I'm not that sure, but I'm I'm semi confident. Let's have a look. I'm abusing it. It was not good, man. It was not good stuff. What's his name, Dad Jerkins? I just think he's a bit overrated. Like, I just think he's a bit of a hack. I, you know, I, you know, shoot me down internet. I, yeah, Blue and Gold by Dan Jerkins. There it is, Rich. It's him. Okay? We, we did it on the show. It wasn't good. You know? It was not good. And Yeah, but his Booster Gold is fantastic. His Booster Gold was good, I agree. But that was back in the early 80s, Rich. I wasn't sure if it was him because usually he draws a lot of the stuff that he writes. Yeah. So I wasn't... Well, put it this way. You know what I think he is? You know, I think he's very average. And, like, he's not that bad. He's just average. And it annoys me that he's the one who gets all the plaudits. Because he wasn't the best writer of Superman during the death and return of Superman. That was Roger Stern. And it's quite obvious when you read it, too. Dan Jurgens' issues are often quite... Yeah, but, yeah, lack but of to be quality. fair... To be fair, but he also never dropped the ball. Yeah. So... You know, yes, are you going to get, like, oh, the best writer on every single, like, yeah. um, title that's tied to Superman? No, but he didn't drop the ball. He also told at least entertaining stories that didn't, um, mm. that didn't sort of, like, uh, let the team down or go, like, yeah. I really yeah. enjoy Superman, but that one title written by Jurgens is a real stinker. Like, at least he, mm. you know, managed to sort of... Uh, I just wish it, was a bit, I wish it was a bit more of a group photo. That's all I wish. I wish we'd have Lewis Simonson... Roger Stern, Jerry Ordway, Dan Jurgens, all of them. I don't see why it has to just be Jurgens grinning at us every single time with a 30th anniversary. That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, maybe the others turned it down. I, I don't know. Photo, man. Like, you, you're making a lot of assumptions. So. Doesn't worry me. <laughs> yeah, 
I know you like your true rumors. <laughs> anyway, your, your true hearsay. <laughs> well, dude, well, true yeah. assumptions. Dude, assumptions. Like, I'd like to get him on the show and throw him some questions. You know, maybe we should. Maybe we should try yeah, to get. I'd him. love to have. Him, I'd love to have him on the show. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll try to get him. On the show. I won't call him a fraud. I won't introduce him as a fraud. <laughs> Dead jackets. <laughs> Welcome, Dad Jurgens, a fraud. <laughs> no, he's all right. I mean, look, he did that Superman aliens thing, which I enjoyed. Um, he's he okay. Cyborg Superman. So, whoa, slow down. Did he create Cyborg Superman? Yes, Jurgens wow. created two major villains: Doomsday and Cyborg Superman. Wow, I love Cyborg Superman. Wow, I didn't know he created Cyborg Superman. That that he's got up a notch of our books. Oh wait, yeah. sorry, sorry. He reintroduced. The oh, character. here we go. Yeah, there we go. What does that mean? No, sorry, I haven't got. So I think he reimagined the character. He reimagined the character. Okay. Well, I like Cyborg Superman. Cyborg Superman. Oh, cool. that's right. No, no. Sorry, he created Cyborg Superman, but he didn't create the original character, the the uh, the astronaut. Oh, Hank Remember? Henshaw. Yeah. So he didn't create Hank Henshaw, but he tur- he turned Hank Henshaw into Cyborg Superman. Well, that's okay. Yeah, that's still creating Cyborg Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you know what? I I am on record as loving Cyborg Superman. So, okay, we'll have to I'll have to dial it back a little bit. Dad Jurgens is slightly above average now. With that news, again, I'm not I'm not saying you've got to say he's like the best and like not, yeah, oh I, what what a great student. But I'm just saying I think he's a I think he's a workhorse and I think he's put yeah, out some at yeah. least entertaining stuff. That hasn't let the side down. He hasn't let the team down. So you're thinking that maybe when I initially came in, I was a little bit hot, a little bit harsh, Rich. I don't know why. I don't know where that came. Like I, I, just, I don't know. You just you came in like, like it's almost like you stole your lunch or something, or clicked you on the back of the ear, and you, you turn around to slug him or something. I don't know. I'm just in one of those boots, man, where I just like fuck. Let's burn it down. You know, I'm just like fuck this shit. Like let's burn it down. I'm also a bit over the death of Superman, like the way they always reference back to it. Like I'm just like, oh my god! Like, like it's not like every single year we have to relive Batman's breaking of his back. You know what I mean? Like, why is Superman's death? It's like the best. Like it's not the best Superman story of all time. I, you know, it's just not. It's an iconic moment. I get it. But with all the Superman stuff out there, I just think there's other stuff they could do and explore. Like I prefer All Star Superman to Death of Superman. Like really, honestly, I do. I put Superman Rebirth, <laughs> Superman for all seasons above above Death of Superman. Honestly, you know. Well, I, I, here's something interesting. I don't know how like exactly true this is, but it says that when he moved to Marvel, mm. Jurgens pushed strongly for the restoration of Peter Parker as the true Spider Man. That's uh, true because he got. Um, uh, but then they the. Bob Harris was like, no, we'll do it after Onslaught storyline, and that's when Jurgens kind of got disillusioned. And no, that is true. I've 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 read that as well. Yeah, he 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 came over thinking he was going to be getting Peter Parker, and he was doing Ben Riley, and he he left after about twelve or so issues on it, on whatever it was like. I'm not Sinister Spider Man, a Sensational Spider Man or something. He was writing something like that anyway. Yeah, that's true because we've covered that. I on didn't actually know. That's that's yeah, that's something. Because yeah. I, I know more of your DC stuff. I don't. Really yeah, know. yeah. Anyway, anyway, like let, let's leave the great fucking man Dan Jurgens. Like you know, you look. No, no. Here's the thing, Dave. You don't have to like him, but I think you don't have to hate him as much as you do for some reason. Like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know me, Rich. Sometimes the emotions start flying, man, and it gets pretty dark. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, I don't really care what he does. I, I'm indifferent to his existence, frankly. You know, I'm I'm super indifferent, actually. If I saw him, if I saw him bleeding out in the street, I'd be like, it's a shame. You know, what am I what am I going to do about it? I'm not much. You know. I I still like to talk to him because again he's part of that and just being able to talk about Superman's. Yeah, know. it'd be nice to have him on the show. If he's on the show, I'm going to play nice. I'm not going to attack him. I'm not going to call him average. I'm not going to call him a fraud. I'll be like, oh, you did some good stories. Tell us about Booster Gold. Rich wants to hear all about it. Come on, dial up the stories. Fantastic character, man. Come on. Yeah, Booster Gold is good. I do like Booster Gold. I will say that. I will say this for years, Richard told me to read Booster Gold. I totally ignored him. I totally said he was shit. And then I read it and I really enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> I was embarrassed by how much I enjoyed it. Um, there was some guy in the letters columns of Owlman who really pissed me off because he was saying Snapper Car was a loser just because he had a Booster Gold t-shirt on. I was like, fuck you. Booster Gold's a pretty cool character. You know? He is. Yeah. Like, you know, I did, I did a 180 on Booster Gold. Now, trade of the week, Richard, Frankly, oh, before yeah. we get to that, yeah. I actually read issue two of um, Junkyard Joe. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah. How was it? Um, it was okay. Well, uh, that's not this, exactly. This was a bit of a ah. Uh, this was one of that. It, it's only the second issue, but it was kind of setting up the the life of the the you know the the black guy that uh, survived Vietnam. Yes. Um, and so it was just more about like kind of filling in his what mm-hmm. happened from Vietnam to now mm. with Junkyard showing up. But again, it's got a cool cliffhanger where these people in almost like Junkyard Joe, like armor face things, shoot these two cops uh, because of Junkyard. He wrecked a, um, you know, semi kind of thing. Um, it's interesting, but it's just a bit slower mm-hmm. than the first episode. So, but it's it's still interesting. It's, it's interesting enough that I will keep reading it. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I'm enjoying uh, Jeff Johns' stuff over there. I think it's interesting. Uh, do you sometimes wish that they would release it all as one book so you wouldn't have to wait for the individual issues to be strung out kind of thing? Like, you know, you know where Well, that, I don't know. I, I guess I, I do feel like maybe, I don't know, I do feel like maybe the 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 individual issues is done and gone. I think their mm. time is has come and gone and uh you know what i mean they're basically writing miniseries anyway which is, to me is just you're just prolonging the trade mm. um because you know, like the stargle thing is only six issues so that's a trade yeah you know and yeah. so i i understand that you want to have some uh monthly but i mean i, I don't know just do the manga thing like release a volume well, that's what I'm every saying. That's, you know what i mean I'll like be down for that. you know i don't know like again i don't have to get a book every month yeah. I'm happy to. Um, if if you want to tell me a trade and I only get three trades a year, mm. but but I get to enjoy it and read it and go back and you know what I mean and read it all in one setting and then if I really enjoy it, go back and look for things I missed and all that. I guess I'm more happy to do that now than than do the monthly thing. I mean, with the monthly thing, that was all I really knew. Mm. You know, there wasn't when I was collecting comics and I was a kid. There wasn't really such a thing as trades. No, there wasn't. There, you know there wasn't. I mean? There was You're only right. there was only floppies. So, but now at this point in my life, I'm just like, yeah, I would probably prefer just give me a trade and I can sit and you know have a cup of coffee and that's and it, whatever and, and read it and all that. Do so. a seance, get Gardner Fox on the line, get him to explain it to you. I wonder what Gardner <laughs> Fox would make of today's comic book market. I reckon he'd dominate. I really do. 
I think he'd be like, these guys are clowns compared to what I can do in like five minutes of the pen. Well, that's the thing. I kind of feel like the manga market have, uh, or manga as they like to say, has kind of figured it out, but the Western market just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. You know, like people don't want to collect monthly anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, They'd much rather wait a bit longer, but get, you know, like again, the mangas, they all do volumes. Mm. Right, so when a volume comes out, you get it, you read it, oh, you're all excited and all that. And yes, you may have to wait a while for the next volume. But again, then there's other stuff to read in between. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you, you may read that and go, oh, okay, well, the next volume's not out for another three months. Or well, when you buy like, a book, if I buy a book in a volume. store, if I buy a fucking you know, normal book, prose, I don't buy a chapter and, and walk out. Exactly, and yeah, exa- exa- yeah, exactly right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel like they should say, listen, I think, I think manga's figured it out, and that's, yeah. that's, what the, that's what people want now, and especially now, you know, and, and then you might actually get some of that manga, because the manga people are not going to buy your, your monthly comic. No. That's not how they read. They and get a massive chunk of story in one go. Yeah. It, could it be, surely the big reason is because the industry prefers to everyone to double dip they want to get the wednesday warriors in then they want to get no. the double dip with the trade and the hardcover uh, i'm i'm actually lying manga does come out digitally weekly though mm. but then they collect it quickly in a trade okay so maybe that's the answer maybe you do digital weekly and then just release it as a trade fair enough that way all the diehard people can read it weekly while yeah. you get the trade ready and then you but then you just release it well, that makes sense and where do they buy that from? There's, there's like big websites like Comixology and stuff, but like for manga. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's manga websites and all that. Okay, cool. All right, now we've got Trade of the Week. All I can say is, Rich, I don't know what you thought you were doing. Um, damage. Oh, that's a shame. Damage. I, frankly, I'm going to say this now. This may be one of the worst and most boring books we've ever done on Signal. Adam the Computer summed it up to me when I said to him, I don't even know what Rich has picked. He said, it seems like a lame and disposable 90s comic. I, I, I was slogging through it last night. I gave up and went back to reading my stand on audiobook because I just had enough. I, I battled through. To my credit, I got, I'd got i read five issues and I, and the zero issue. I realized, so six in total. I realized after a few issues, this is like Invincible if Invincible didn't have interesting characterization, a good supporting cast, or a decent, relatively fast-paced plot. This was like, if someone said to me, a 90s comic, and when they use 90s comic to use all the generic things that they associate the bad things with 90s comics, this ticked those boxes without even being hyper. It was like, I just thought it was a really bland dated, not just dated, but like just almost just like unremarkable thing. I was really, really struggled here. I read Six Issues Rich, which I think is a credit to me because I I was really struggling. And Damage himself, I mean, who cares about Damage? Um, There's a reason why this guy never made it anywhere and I've never heard of him. I, I, I just I, I'm 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 my mind is boggled. A have you Wait, ever sorry, read this? You've never you've never heard of him? I had never heard oh, of this character. Sorry, I, I thought you read JSA. Oh my I bad. Have I read thought you JSA. read I thought you read John's Justice I have read JSA, okay. but I have read it many, many years ago. So if he's in it I forget. Okay. okay. But and Adam said 
in his defence, he said he's good in Jeff Johns' JSA. He did say that. He said he enjoyed him in JSA. I don't remember him, but as I said, it was 10 years ago that I read those issues. Now... Oh, I see. Okay, so you didn't get to the part with Vandal Savage or anything like that. Oh, okay. I'm not that's, even that's sure. Sad. I'm not even sure. I got no, to... you didn't. If you if you gave up after the zero issue, you didn't get to the whole. Oh, Vandal you mean in this? And all that. In this? Yeah. No. No. So. Oh, that's a shame. Well, tell me, man. Like, had you read this before, and what was your reaction? Because I really struggled. Like, give me your honest reaction. Um, uh, for the most part, I actually enjoyed it. I mm. thought that the events and all that sort of stuff got in the way mm. of the story a lot. So, like, right in the middle of a story, it just um, kind of cuts away to, like, mm. um, because they, they used him in Zero Hour. Yes. Um, and then at the end of the, like, the, the, the setup story for him and all that sort of stuff, then he's kind of been forced to join the team, uh, the new Titans. Mm. But then some stuff has happened in the Titan stuff. So then it feels like there's kind of like this time, mm. there's these time jumps in his comics, which you didn't get to. Mm. Um, so I feel like it was a really interesting, it's an interesting idea for a character because again, the reason I like this character is because he has ties to, mm. it's it's not actually a brand new character. Okay? okay. So he actually, and that's why Jeff Johns used him in JSA. Mm. He actually has ties to the JSA. So, Basically, Vandal Savage, mm. with the help of the Nazis, <laughs> yes, you know, that's who he works on. He managed to actually get DNA from a whole bunch of the um, during their fight in you know during World War Two and all that sort of stuff. He actually managed to get a lot of DNA mm. from them, and so Grant is actually like he's a lab experiment. He's actually a combination of a lot of uh, JSA members, right. Um, and then they actually used Al Pratt, the Atom's wife. They basically impregnated her, uh-huh. and she gave birth to him. So he's he's technically basically like the the son. Oh, I of, see. Of Al Pratt, the original Atom. But again, you didn't get that. The guy who wears that funny mask. Yeah, in the JSA. and that's why he kind of wears that mask. Well, that's what him and Adam Smasher kind of wear oh, those masks. Oh, you know what? I do remember the character in JSA now that you say that. That does ring a bell. Okay. All right. I didn't realize that. But that's well, one it. Of the reasons he joins JSA because at some point, and we, we don't get to that in this, oh. but at some point he joins the, um, the um, what do you call it, the Freedom Fighters. Right. And when the Freedom Fighters are killed by all the villains in... Um, infinite crisis mm. his face is totally fucked up and that's why he wears the so he doesn't wear the mask out of choice he wears the the mask because his face has been completely oh. like completely fucked up by i think it was reverse flash did it yeah i think it was reverse flash like completely just mashed up his what face. did you think though you know what i mean when i say it's because there were bits that were interesting like the bit where the parents were killed and it was all just an experiment and the parents were just kind of like operatives that was interesting and yeah. I was, look, I, was like, I, do, you know. I, I look. I do agree with anyone who says, like, especially if you're reading it now. I think if you read it now, yes, it is very '90s. Okay, is yeah. is very much written by a '90s kid. And when you say, "Oh, it's it's," um, uh, and I do agree if you say something like, "Oh, it's invincible," but without like the better writing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, invincible was created in the tw- in the 2000s. So, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, but plenty of good, he, good, he has, good comics were created I have, in the '80s I, and '90s. I, 
No, no, but what I'm saying is I think a character like Invincible, if he was written in the 90s, would probably be very similar to this. I think mm. the fact that he was written in the 2000s probably is a saving grace for a character like that. Because, again, in the 90s, any younger character is always written with a fucking mm. massive, you know, chip on their shoulder, fucking, you know, it's got mm. that 90s dialogue. So, again, I've got no issues. Um, I completely agree that it does feel very 90s and all that. But as mm. I said, I'm always a sucker because they even use again if you're a writer and you use existing law characters history mm. i mean they even use iron monroe who is a character that was created in the 80s um mm. and he was and he also has like ties to um uh world war 2 young all stars and all stars and all that sort of stuff and all, you know what i mean so he's even got a bit of a ties to like the the younger generation of JSA, you know, the generally like the young all stars and all that. A lot of the, you know, uh, stars, you know, or star man, who late um, <laughs> Sylvester, that star man. There's so many star men. I got to, I got to keep track of when I say star man. I know, but I just about. find this is the part of DC where I just, my, I hit the snooze button because I'm just like no, again. You know, I, I look, I like, I, as I said, I like where they were going with this. I like the, I, I kind of like his origin. I, and I just think a lot of stuff got in the way, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, okay. I think the whole, I think they had to like probably like stretch it out because of the zero hour happening. Yeah. And I think that came right in the middle, which was really so stupid. I, mean, I made the mistake. The I read the zero hour issue first because I thought that's where it started. Mm. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I went to one. I was like, then I got more of a momentum going. Look, mm. I did look when I criticize it because I criticize it for the reasons I discussed. I did think there were some germs of good ideas there. Uh, hmm. I, I mean, look, yeah, I, I enjoyed this far more than your Conan pick. Where it what was, was the this? most boring thing I'd ever read. Well, what Conan pick are you talking about? The, oh, one, the one where they were just sitting around a table talking about their strategy. Oh, that was that was a poor Conan. I mean, I, I myself said that was poor, apart from the part I mean, where we I've, saw. I've definitely read far worse than this on the show. Uh, the, only, the only part that saved that Conan story was we finally saw the topless chick at the end. And I was like... Look, well, I will something. say that this this is definitely more... This has got good ideas in it, um, but it, it does lack uh, execution. Yeah. But I do have a soft spot for it because I do think it's something that could have been very interesting. Did you and read this at the had, time or did you? was this your first time? I think I only read, back in the day, I think I only read the first three issues. Okay, um, right. Uh, well, because what again, what was then, worse than this that you've read on the show other than Conan? Think of something else. Because this for oh, me was... What was, that, what was that one that you made me read about the JFK thing? God, That, that was, was good. Um, Badlands, man. No, it wasn't. No, by God, Stephen man, Grant. Terrible. I oh, love that, awful. man. I love that. You know I love that as well. That was cringy as fuck. That was just so like, ugh. <laughs> the worst one, I think. I felt, I felt dirty after reading that. I enjoyed You know I enjoyed it. Um, there was the Trigon Empire. That was a slog. That was better than this, but my God, that was a slog. Um, that was your choice. And there was also the Thunder Agents from the 60s. That was some simplistic storytelling at its maximum. But again... Both of them were better than this, because I've got to judge them in the time they were made, and they and I reckon back in the day they would have sold a lot of copies. Yeah, but this, again, you know. but then you should also judge this when it was made. It was the nineties, and the nineties was all about. Big action, I was alive in the nineties, man. I was alive in the nineties, and I tell you what, if I picked this up, I would have put it straight back down. No, not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea, my friend. I was reading Punisher. I was reading Batman. I wasn't playing around with damage. 
you know. I also I don't know. As I said, it's it's very nineties. It's a character named Damage. Like it's literally just each issue is just massive amounts of fight scenes and explosions and like it's like talking while fight. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like even though there's dialogue, everyone's fucking being thrown through walls while they're talking and stuff. Sure. I think that's just very nineties, and I think you should take that into account when <laughs> you kind of read it. True. Well, I'm going to give it 2.5 out of 10. What are you giving it, Rich? Uh, it's a 6.5 for me. Oh, Again, 6.5? Not... Are you kidding? Yeah, I 6.5? Man, you've given fives to classics. Dude, come mm, on, No, man. I don't think I've given fives to classics, man. I can't believe you're giving the six and a half. That's, that's, that, is, oh, that is ridiculous. Oh, well, maybe... <laughs> okay, so maybe if you had read it to, like... Page, uh, issue 10 like you did maybe your score would be higher so i know i'm judging it on more i mean you're saying you picked up I mean, in the second half i didn't show up at the, at the one point he has a fight with polaris so he's actually related well not related by blood but he's actually related to dr polaris so yeah. dr polaris actually the guy that was pretending to be his father actually was the his brother okay um so there's a thing there and there's a big fight scene and then again you get the whole vandal savage and then you start getting more of the where he, what he is i mean fuck his girlfriend is killed in it her next step mm. by this green gooey thing and all that i mean there's a lot that happens once you get past that initial five sure. and the zero hour it does actually and then they've got the backup stories with iron monroe as well mm. which is really good about him and his kid and phantom lady and all that so i think uh, right. i think yes if you're judging it off the first five issues <laughs> Because I'm not going to count the zero. It is a bit of a slog because it's just one long... No, no, I agree with you. The first five issues is literally just one long fight scene. I mean, issue one starts with a fight scene between him and Metallo and then basically just continues with him and that character called Troll. Mm. And then even when Troll finishes, then there's the Nazi guy in the gold helmet. Like, so if you just... If you were just judging it off the first five issues, I would agree and say, God, it's just one long fucking fight. You know what I mean? Like, he just goes... He literally, in like an, in a 24-hour period, he goes from one fight to another fight and just, like, destroys the city. Yes. If you are judging it just on that, yes. But after that, when he starts trying to find out who he is, where he came from, sure. that secret society with the eyeball and the, the mother and the Vandal Savage stuff and the fact that his fake father is related to Polaris, and like, it actually got quite interesting and okay. more intriguing as to like what his origin was because now you're like oh my god is monroe is dead oh no now he's a lab experiment oh my god vandal savage is involved in this you know mm. whenever vandal savage rocks up it's always a fun time vandal savage is good now am you i know, right so in saying it's interesting after five i'll okay. say that and all that's right why okay. i scored a bit higher fair enough man. um am i right in saying i thought i saw a new 52 they tried to reboot damage was there a damage title? Uh, they're not. Yeah, no. I mean, yes, but it was a completely different character. Right, but it was just the it name. Was, yeah. that, was, okay. that was their whole character. Right, okay, because that was what Ray was asking about. But but I was like, I'm not sure. But then I realised I did a bit of research. It seemed like that they, in New 52 they, they rebooted the title, you know, the name damage. I see. Well, no, yeah, yeah. They, they basically just took that because he got killed, so... But basically, this damage, he got killed in Blackest Night. I see. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, I mean, look, I'd never heard of him. Like, and yes, he was in JSA, but I've totally forgotten that. But now that you say that, I remember it. But he was a minor character, wasn't he? He was a sort of, yeah, I, I do recall. Now, when you say that about the mask, I'm starting to remember it um, a little bit better. But um, anyway, so look, 
thank you at least for picking it, Rich, because I mean you challenge me sometimes. Oh, Somebody... it's, it's not it's not for everyone. I do wish you had maybe mm. just push through like I do with your <laughs> with your terrible picks and got to the ten, so we could have actually had a discussion of well, a band of Slow down, man, for a second. Thing. Slow down for a second, dude, because I, I, I did you get to the part where did you get to the part where uh, where Alan Scott turns up? No, you didn't. No, you would have no. you would have stopped off. The... So I again, you see, I can't, it's hard. It's hard to discuss it with. I you wish I'd seen that, man. I wish I'd seen that. Now I want to read it. Now I want to read Alan Scott. But you know, I like those guys, man. I should have told you earlier that I was tuning out, and you would have said, "Well, Van der Savage and Alan Scott are turning up," and I would have been a bit like, oh, "Okay, that sounds a bit better." Um, anyway. Probably you do message me and say like Jesus Christ, I'm struggling with your pick or what the fuck have you picked? I didn't get anything of that from you, so <laughs> oh well. Uh, look, hey, at the end of the day, man, we got there. Uh, another big show, um, a lot of gold. Now, I do want to say so. Next week we're gonna do this Aliens mini series. Ray will potentially be on with me and Rich. Um, we're fingers crossed for Ray. Things have got to line up. Schedules. It's kind of like Nixon and um, you know Nixon going to China. He's got to meet up. We've all got our schedules. We've got our agendas. Um, but obviously Ray's the god of the game. Um, I probably be, if we get him on, I'll be talking about potentially a mutual destruction of the multiverse. That's kind of my plan. For Ray, if I can get Ray on and get him on board, my plan. Are you ready to go on kind of a conquering spree, Rich? You know, sort of world conquering, universe conquering. Actually, forget about world, universe conquering, Rich. You that up for that? A lot of hard work. Well, we're gods, so we've got power. So that's that's something. You know, yeah, there'll be. Mm, I, mean, I be... think I'd like to be a lazy god, honestly. Jesus, man. Well, I'm I'm trying to build an engine of war here. You know, come on, Rich. You can't just slack off. No, no. <laughs> I, I can be the la- look. You can be the god of war, and I'll be yes. the the god of laziness. Well, that's that's fine. fine. You can do that. Um, all right. So we're doing the aliens thing next week. Um, look, much appreciated if you can join the Patreon. Um, it's patreon.com slash signal of doom. Uh, we're doing once upon a time in the West. Um, myself and Rich next week. Rich, remember that we're doing the Cinema of Doom episode. So mm-hmm. by next week, we'll have that. Um, also, Chuck Dixon is going to be coming on the show next week to talk about the Rambo in Nam comic. We're going to ha- have an interview with Chuck there about that. I will put the link up to the Indiegogo in the show notes um, when, I, when I post the show up. What else? We're proud members of the collective. We've got guys on there like uh, Into the Night. You've got Inner Demons with Brian Biggie. You've got Last Sons of Krypton with Connor and Ray. And I believe a revolving cast because I believe Ray... Maybe stepping away from Last Sons of Krypton, and Connor's going to be having a few guests on. Oh, I'm going to be one of them actually um, to do something or other. I said I wanted to do Lobo versus Superman. He doesn't want to do it, but I'm like, hey, do you want the do you want the king? I'm like, do you want the king? Do you, do you want the king? You know, yeah, okay. Well, and the king. Maybe he's thinking, mm, do I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. Uh, I wouldn't blame him if that was the case. Um, big shout out to Phil and Lilith at Capes and Lunatics. It was a funny uh, conversation, apparently, where they had where Phil was saying to Lilith that when the Aussies come on and myself and Ray on Ultimate Spider Cast, it's like the $20 an hour babysitters. <laughs> and, and it's just like, we're uncouth, we're just loose. We record late, so I really don't care what I say. You know, it's like 11.30 p.m., and I'm like, I'm past caring. I barely care now, you know? And it's like, we heard it today. You heard me blast Jurgens. No real reason for it, just 
I'm fickle. You know what I mean, Rich? Just, just, just because. Yeah, just because I like to see things burn sometimes, you know. And it's like, you know, it's like I'm sure the guy can take it. Like, you know, he's grinning off his profits. He's fucking. The guy's probably sitting on a wad of cash right now, just from all the. How much money has he brought in from Death of Superman? I would say in the millions. Seriously, dude, something he did thirty years ago. Anyway, don't get me started on that again. I don't. I don't think it's millions. I think he'd be worth a few mil. I think if we looked at Dad Jerkins' bank account right now, he'd be sitting on a few mil. Which is, which is, you know, um, it's not unreasonable to assume. Like, I mean, has the guy got properties? What's he got? Do we know? Wife, kids? You know? Who knows? Uh, wife and two kids, I think. Wife and two kids. Okay, Rich has got it there. Good, good, Rich. Nice research. Have you got any estimate of the properties he's holding? Any anything like that? Uh, no, unfortunately, he wouldn't release his bank details. <laughs> Rich, you got to dig deep. You got to dig deep. Um, look, on that note, I want to say thank you, Rich, for everything as always, man. I mean, you may have picked one of the poorer comics in the history of Signal, but you still made a brave attempt. Um, you supplied us with content, and content is king. As long as I enjoyed it at the end of the day, that's all that matters. That's all that matters for Rich. Now, next week, I'm going to have a Got a Ragnar, Got a War Ragnarok uh, discussion. Um, so, Rich, I assume you'll be getting the game and playing that through and all that kind of stuff. And um, we can dive in oh, deep on no, that. Oh, no, I can't. Sorry, man. What, what games have you got planned for your PS5 before we leave us? Tell us what you've got planned. Is there a game that you. Is there a game that you said? Well, there to is play? a game, but it hasn't come out yet. There's a game called uh, Grand Blue Fantasy, which is a JRPG. Okay. All right. I've never. What is it called? Grand Blue Fantasy. Yeah. Grand okay. Blue Fantasy. Wow. I um, also bought Death Stranding for $29 today. Mm. You know, because that was the thing with um, Daryl Dixon from um, Walking Dead, Norman Reedus. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I, I know what that terrible game well, everyone's like it's a walking simulator, and I'm like, I, I'm like, okay. Yeah, it just looked as boring as fuck to me. And and can I be honest with you? <laughs> I don't like these like um what these these um photorealistic games where they just take someone, scan them in the game, and be like, cool, we created a character. I can, I like games that like create their own sure like characters, their own art style, like all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it is cool that it's Daryl Dixon. I will, I will probably be getting Ghost of Tsushima at some point. Oh, yeah, that uh, game rocks, to, man. Yeah. Just, just to try it out. But um, Finally, a good game from you. Thank God. Uh, and um, it, It's got all the things oh, you Final, hate. Final Fantasy 16. although I could wait six months and get that on Xbox. I'll get it on the PS5. Since I will say this I'll for you, Rich. Ghost of Tsushima definitely has all that stuff that you hate, like with the markers and everything. Uh, yeah, I probably am not going to have love it as much as other people do. I love it. You know, I love it. A... It's a good game, though, Rich. It's got a good combat system oh, as well. Another game I want to get is I don't I don't know if it's out yet. It's called Valkyrie Elysium. Okay, all right. Well, keep us in tune because I've got a PS Five. So if you do stumble across some good games, I just want to mention something I picked up. Um, I think since last week was my Dawn of the Dead, um, four K release with the with the three different cuts of the movie and uh, three documentaries about Dawn of the Dead, the 1978 movie. That, that nice. came that came in this week. So, yeah, I'm going to be watching it this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. 
Well, Rich, we will have you on um, for Cinema of Doom next week for the for the listeners, and then we'll obviously do the normal show with you and Ray. So I'm looking forward to that next week. It's going to be fun, man. Dude, imagine I'm just thinking this now. It's it's late at night. Imagine this, just recording like into like three four a.m. Just keep rolling. Like how deep could it possibly get? You know what I mean? Like I'd start playing Bob Dylan track, getting your getting your live responses. Would you like that kind of stuff, man? If I'm awake, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to need some caffeine, man. You, you know, Bob Dylan's saying everything is broken, you know, and it's just like... Yeah, it, it, might, it might get old pretty fast, though. Yeah, maybe. There's there's the one Bob Dylan album that starts off with, I'm walking through th- through streets that are dead. That's how the album starts. That's He sets the scene. I'm walking through streets that are dead. Yeah. That's where we get to, Rich. Yeah, but too grim for me. He's super grim, man. Super bleak. Super bleak, man. You'd be looking for the escape hatch. Walking through streets that are dead. Walking, walking with you in my head. My feet are so tired My brain is so wild And the clouds are weeping Looking for some Bon Jovi to pump it up. Yeah, I mean, if, if we were in a submarine, I'd just let the water in. <laughs> Dave, Dave's loving it. The submarine slowly sinks to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Where does this water come from? What the fuck? All right. On that note, I want to say thank you and good night. Good night.